Gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in Northwest Pennsylvania. Coming to you live every weeknight. That's 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Right here. Global Star Radio Network. That's the Global Star Radio Network. It's the place to be. Also simulcast on Blog Talk Radio and YouTube Live. Right? It makes it uh, makes it a good program. Um, I'm going to tell you, we, we've got a great program lined up for you today. We have uh, our first guest coming out of the gate is someone that, that you should be familiar with. I'm, I'm sure everyone's familiar with uh, Larry Nichols, of course, the uh, one-time Clinton hitman. And, um, well, you know, now he's uh, he's got some news. He contacted uh, the office, and he contacted us uh, and said, look, I've got some inside information you all need to hear. So we all need to hear it. He's also the author of a book, 28 Years to Nowhere. Going to be uh, uh, linking that up in our program description and also on our website. But uh, you need to hear what this man's got to say. All right, Larry Nichols, and of course you know him as the Clinton hitman. Um, Larry, are you there, sir? Yes, sir, I'm here. Glad. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Nichols. Uh, I know, and folks, uh, Larry's, you know, He's sick, of course. Uh, he's battling a, a, a you know, a, a, a chronic disease. And um, anyway, uh, so, so our prayers are with you, Larry. Uh, what's going on here with respect to what we're seeing today? And, and uh, you've got some alarming information. I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, uh, thanks. You know, when Hillary was defeated, I thought I had finally done my job. I could rest. But I'm seeing things happen that were actually included in Hillary's plan, and they're going on with them. And the media and everyone seem to be overlooking, and, and even conservative alternative programming's overlooking something that's right in front of everyone. You know, Doug, I've talked to you for a couple of years now about when Obama was president and then when Hillary was going to be president, how... They intended to transform our government to change us from a representative republic form of government into this oligarchy or this central government through central committee done through the FEMA provisional government plan. And that's when if that what they were looking for were five riots in five major cities at one time triggering FEMA automatically. And then whoever's president becomes essentially king. The FEMA provisional government, as you know, is simply going back to uh, 16th century European type rule. King, goops, earls. Well, then the surprise came. Donald Trump won. Well, here's Trump. And here's what people are overlooking, Doug. With Trump in power, with Trump as president, I question his power at this point because he's up against Washington. But with Trump as president, they can't invoke FEMA because if they do, he becomes king. 
so that's why you see, folks, this there's a difference. There's a difference in, for example, the Democrats trying to just keep Trump's administration on its heels. Normally, as you saw, the Republicans, quote unquote, say they were doing against Obama, trying to keep Obama just where he can't get anything done. You would think the Democrats would just try to keep Trump where he can't get anything done, but that's not what they're doing. They're trying to get rid of him. They want him out of office. Then you go out and you look. Let's take Ann Coulter. For the first time, we're seeing something manifest that's scarier than anything we've seen before. They're literally not shouting down somebody at a town hall meeting. They're literally stopping a conservative person from even speaking. There is a push as a part of a coup. We're in the middle of the end, actually, of a soft coup. And a soft coup is designed to change, transform our form of government. They want power. And they want to change our form of government. They want to lead and control. It's the same thing you've seen throughout the years, throughout ages. I mean, a small group of people want ultimate power. And we're sitting here and we're not doing anything about it. You know, Trump's got problems. He's got the Democrats. But he's also got the establishment Republicans, Paul Ryan, Lindsey Graham, John McCain. And he keeps saying he's going to drain the swamps. He can't drain the swamp. He can't. You know, he came in thinking, Doug, that he could do like Obama and just do a presidential executive order when he forgot about one thing. Obama could do an executive order, sure. But when Trump tried to do it, what happened? They had a list of federal judges just ready to shut it down. Everything Donald Trump tries to do is shut down. And then you've got Paul Ryan and that group serving him up this health care plan alternative. And that's going to destroy his base of support. They're out to get rid of Donald Trump. And folks, unfortunately, getting rid of Donald Trump is getting rid of us. Larry, uh, Joe here. I want to want to jump in and ask you a question. Do you believe that the Democrats and some of the you know Republicans who were never Trump or against him, like Paul Ryan, um, were under the misconception because of some of what Obama had done that Trump was going to be impeached when he? You know, within like the first you know, three months of his of his presidency, and that is not something that's coming to fruition. I, I guess I'm asking, do you think, believe that they they thought he was going to go? No, I think Joe. I think they knew the minute he was elected that that's what they had to do. They had to get him impeached, and unfortunately, they've not been able to do it. But they're trying. They're trying hard. And if they do, then we're sunk, Yo, We're done. We're done. Well, what can, okay. what, what can, uh, what do you believe? I mean, you know, we've speculated and a lot of people have speculated that people inside Trump's circle, uh, Rents Previous being one example, are actively working against him. And not only that, you know, the, the thoughts of, and, and speculation of him not getting the proper intelligence reports or intelligence from the intelligence communities. How much of this do you believe is sabotage from his own uh, inside circle? Yeah, from inside. Let me tell you something, guys. This 
group, this cabal, have penetrated every aspect of our government. They're, they're, in, they're in every part of it. And Trump can't be safe getting direction or getting intel from anyone. No one. I'll even give you one worse than that. His son-in-law. I'm highly suspect of his son-in-law. You know why? Now, it's not because he was a Democrat. It's not because his father was a big-time Democrat or went to jail. Not even because he was Goldman Sachs. But here's something, again, that we're missing. Signs that I read or try to read. You know, every person, every high-level person on Trump's cabinet is attacked daily nearly by the media, right? I mean, they just attack them viciously. But isn't it odd they don't attack his son-in-law? Have you heard them aggressively go after him? Good point. Yeah, and we know the yeah. uh, some of the history of the business dealing. Uh, Kushner and his business dealings with George Soros, right. some of that stuff has come out and people are, are getting wise to it. And the most criticism we see of him seems to come from, uh, you know, the, the alternative community of people who are paying attention, but you don't see it from the mainstream ever. Yeah, good point. No, no. And guys, I got to tell you, what you're seeing today, Doug, Joe, we talked about this over, what, two years ago. I told you in 1986, Paul Begala, Dick Morris, me, and a couple of others, we designed a plan called the 86 plan. And this plan was a joke for Bill and Hillary. I mean, it was a joke. We knew he'd never get to be president because of his womanizing and drugs, but he did. And you're seeing it manifest today. And what's scary, that entire plan was based off a Christmas gift I got from Bill Clinton. When Bill Clinton was elected his first time as governor, he attributed that to me to a great part. He called me and said, Larry, come up here and we'll give you a Christmas gift. Well, I thought he's going to give me a Cadillac or something. I go get there. He doesn't give me a Cadillac. He gives me a book. And the book is mine Kampf. And he says, be my gerbil. And what we had done is we had taken a lot of Hitler's magic and transformed it into a playbook to use here. And that's what you're seeing. Joe, Doug, I think you're seeing, and I hate to be uh, melodramatic, but it's almost as though we're looking at this cabal as if it were the Fourth Reich, global power, the thing Hitler could never accomplish. And if you look at the process by which he's, they're doing it, what did Hitler do? What did Goebbels do? If the media, if you control the media, and the only thing you hear is the version they want you to hear what happens it becomes the truth that's what they're doing and I think the, the first time we met the first time we ever did a program I seem to recall I think I said you know the thing the only good news is they're still lying to us when they stop lying that's when we're in trouble well guys they stop lying they don't even hide it now the media doesn't even hide its bias. They don't even pretend to hide it. And Absolutely. They're going, around and they're going around and dismantling every bit of communication. They're getting rid of it. Look what they're doing. Fox News. Now, guys, I'm not one that sits here and tells you Fox News is a beacon of conservatism, but it is an alternative voice. 
process of taking it apart piece by piece. How? Through their sponsors, through their advertisers. They're shutting it down. Now Fox News is more, you know, more of an entertainment network than a news network. Yep. Then this look what amazing. they're doing to y'all on the internet. Yep. They're coming at you, coming at you hard. And once they yeah. get y'all yep. yep. on the internet, we're sunk. What um. Uh, what position is Hillary and or Bill playing in this program that we're seeing, push that we're seeing? Well, I think it's the system Bill brought to Washington that you're seeing. Bill and Hillary, I believe, are toast. I think they're done. Hillary is barred from the Democrats because they're blaming her for all of the losses of the state legislators, the governors, et cetera, et cetera. So she's not liked within the Democratic Party anymore. Um, there was something that happened election night that I find intriguing, but again, nobody even challenges it or pursues it. When it was, when it was clear she had lost, you know what she did? She called up Barack Hussein Obama and she said, Mr. President, I'm sorry. Why would she say to him she was sorry? As a matter of from fact, what? you would, I'm sorry? No, go, uh, that was from the book that has just come out, um, written about Hillary Clinton's campaign. And yes, that was, um, a point. And, and the way that it was portrayed from an interview I saw, they, they made it seem like she was sorry that she, she did not beat Trump. Well, yeah, but, but, but why in the hell apologize to Barack right. Hussein Obama, the second Barry Satoro, the Muslim in the White House, the White Hut? That's right. That's right. What, what made Hillary Clinton, my God, y'all were talking about the queen in her mind of queens, the most powerful person in her mind in history. Well, why would she call up Barack Hussein Obama and apologize to him? That ain't Hillary Clinton, guys, and I was with them. Okay. I know Hillary Clinton. And then, have y'all ever heard, have you ever heard of of a past president setting up a, what, a shadow government? And, 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 no, Larry, and, and this, and folks, this is why, this is why I'm so glad Larry Nichols is on. Our guest is Larry Nichols. He's the author of a book, and I suggest everyone read it, 28 Years to Nowhere. Okay, links to the book will be in our program description, but Larry Nichols knows where the bodies are buried, and, you know, he's taken a lot of heat, a lot of crap, and I'm tired of, I'm tired of the crap he's taken, but I'm going to tell you folks, think back when he was on, uh, a year or so, a year plus ago. He's He's telling you exactly what he's, he told you then what was going to be taking place now, and he's dead nuts accurate. And I excuse my expression, but I'll tell you what, I'm a little bit hacked off that we are letting an opportunity slip through our fingers, and I'm going to shut up now, Larry. Okay, so, so yeah, uh, Obama has set up this, uh, this organization of attorneys and of, uh, uh, a number of, in fact, he's the umbrella. Organizing for Action is the umbrella organization for a number of other uh, very, uh, legal firms and such that are working to extensively strike Ob- or, uh, uh, Trump, President Donald Trump, on ethics charges. 
It's all ethics, right? So yeah. what's up with that? Yeah. It's all a part of the agenda. They cannot take our government the easy way. The easy way to take over the government in America, to totally change it, Doug, to change our form of government, the easiest way is through FEMA. It's been that way for a long, long time. Tommy Franks and I were with the FEMA people for two years. We know, or I know. But they can't do it as long as Trump is president. They have to go after Trump, not to discredit him, not to keep him from passing his agenda, to get him out of office, to get him out of office. Judging, judging by what I, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead, sir. No, no, just judging yeah. by what I saw on MSNBC today, the garbage that, that they were spewing because of the Comey firing, and I want your take on that, too. We we do, both John and I do. Um, it's almost as if this guy is nuts, uh, meaning Donald Trump is nuts, ready for impeachment, uh, a war criminal. He's probably shot Kennedy. He probably shot Lincoln. He probably burned down the, you know, um, uh, it's, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, I mean, Ray. Everybody should see it. And we've got to fight it. Do y'all realize we're the line of defense? We're all the defense there is, Doug. That's why I'm here begging people to hear me. I don't want to be here. You know I've taken so much crap, called everything under the sun. I'm sick of it. I don't need it. I don't need it. But I got children and grandchildren. We all do. They are taking our country away from us and we're hanging by a thread. And that thread, like it or not, is Donald Trump. If they get him out of office, they will move and take this country away from us, right out from under our nose. And you know by taking over the media, see, people don't realize, probably 90%, Doug, you and Joe, correct me if I'm wrong, but let's just say 90% of the people in America get every bit of that which they consider the news about our nation which they consider enough to make an educated vote, they get it from the 6 and 10 o'clock nighttime evening news. And when you break down an hour newscast on your local evening news, do you all realize you get maybe four to six minutes of national news? Four to six minutes. And all you hear is Trump, treason, Russia, and you hear Clapper in the hearings when asked, do you have any evidence of Trump and treason or Clinton and, you know, collusion with Russia? And he says no, and they go right on as if he said yes. Then they fire, he fires Comey when just weeks ago, every Democrat in Washington, D.C. was calling for Comey's head. But when Trump does it, Oh my God. Grounds for treason. See, they're, they're going after Trump for James Comey, claiming that they, you know, he fired him because he was coming after Trump. So they're going to try to impeach him for that. They have got to impeach Donald Trump. They've got to. And we've got to stop them. We have to. Uh, Larry, how do you, I mean, uh-huh. we, we've heard the impeach Trump talk, uh, from people like Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi and others just about every chance they, they get, uh, every time they do an interview. Now, we know that the actions, uh, with Russia, the investigation, there's nothing there. Um, 
and there's no evidence. We know that with what he did with James Comey and, and the firing, there's nothing actionable that they can act on to impeach him. How do you believe, what do you think they're going to do to try to set him up for impeachment? Are they going to, you know, create scandals or are they going to try to take advantage of um, maybe a moment where he's politically uh, weaker than usual to do that? What, what do you see as far as how they plan to accomplish this? Oh, I think they've made that quite clear. They're going to take advantage of his not understanding Washington. They're coming after him with every little inside trick that there is. You know, guys, you and I, we, we can drive down the road and we will break laws. Believe it or not, driving down the road, we're going to break a law or two that we didn't even know was a law that we're breaking. Oh, yeah. They're going to keep on after Trump, and they're going to catch him on some technicality. But remember, there's two kinds of coups. There's a coup that you're used to where the military surrounds the Capitol and takes over the government. Now, in that formal coup, the first objective is to take over the military. But now, in a soft coup, the first objective of a soft coup is to take over the media. They've taken the media. And by using the media effectively, even the Joe, the we know that what they're saying is absolutely not true. We represent 5% of the country. 90% or 95% of the country is hearing it as though it's fact. Right. That's what's scary. No, it's not real. No, it's not true. Perception or or molded perception becomes reality. And I understand that. It does indeed. That's right. right. Larry, we've got about four minutes, three minutes left before we, we uh, this segment. We, we're going to have you come back. And, folks, look, Larry is under under medical care. Uh, actually, when we spoke today, he was he was getting treatment in the hospital. Okay, so just understand, um, understand how serious this is. And for for Larry Nichols to say, okay, we need to talk. Listen up, Larry. Three minutes. Um, before we're, we're going to have you come back again, but three minutes. What do you want to tell the people? Until, until we meet again. You know, Doug, I want everybody to hear me. There is a movement going on to strip your country right out from under you. They've got the millennials. They've got the media. They've got this country ready to fold. They just need a couple of things to happen and they can do it. We have one shot left to stop them, and that is the coming election for the House. We'll go over that in future programs. But, guys, I'm telling you, we've got to hit Congress where it hurts. They're afraid. As long as they think we're out here and we will vote them out of office, we can at least back the Republican rhinos, the Paul Ryans. We can at least back them off supporting this effort to get rid of Trump. If we can do that, we can hold them at bay. The Democrats can't take him out by themselves. They've got to have the, the, the Republican traitors. And we can hold them this next election. They've got to start campaigning right away. Any thoughts, Larry, as to who... We, we talked about this yesterday on the show. 
the lack of, of any person stepping up in the leadership as a leader of the Democratic Party. There seems to be some sort of power vacuum or, or just a lack of personnel uh, that of uh, somebody who would be able to, you know, match up against Trump in, in the general election in 2020. Any idea, uh, or is it still yet to be seen? Or do you think we have some, no, some it, ace in the hole? I think I think that's yet to be decided. I think the Democrats are working right now internally to figure out just exactly who is the leader. I don't think they're planning for the 2020 election. I don't think they're planning on that at all. I think they have played all the cards. All the cards are on the table. And this will be the time when they take down our country. The next four years, they'll, they'll take down the country. So they're working on who's going to get to be king, not who's going to get to be president. It's that That's serious. Amazing. That's a, okay. And, and we know it's that serious. And Obama, you know, he said, uh, um, uh, Hillary's down and out, Bill's down and out, basically, in terms of the political. But Obama is, but Obama okay. is not. That's okay. Obama's He's the guy. not out of the game. Yeah. Right. Well, Larry, you watch him. All right. Thanks for coming on with us, Larry. Uh, the book, 28 Days to Nowhere. 28 Years to Nowhere. 28 Years to Nowhere. Yeah. 28 Years to Nowhere. The movie, 28 Days. Larry, John and, uh, John will be in touch with you. Uh, uh, we're going to have you back on again because we need to, we need to keep reminding people over and over and over again. As long as you're sucking air, we're going to be taking, we're going to be talking and taking care of you. Um, Thank, Thank you. you. We need to. This has got to be broadcast. I mean, people got to wake up. Please wake up. You know, it's now or never. It's never been that more serious. And you know, everyone thought, "Oh, hey, Trump's in. We got a cakewalk, baloney." Larry Nichols, I'm going to tell you, get some rest, my man. I know it took a lot out Thank of you guys. tonight. Get some rest. All right, we'll we'll talk right. soon. Very good. This is a good guy. Larry Nichols is a good guy. Look, folks, 28 years to nowhere. Grab that book, help him out, uh, support him through uh, his book sales and what have you. But look, the issue is this: we are still under attack. In fact, the attacks are becoming more, more uh, relentless and more aggressive. Coach Dave Dobmeyer is going to come up next to tell you exactly the way it is. And uh, this is a nice segue into into, into Coach Dave Dobmeyer, Coach Dave Live, Joe. Um, yeah, yeah, folks, uh, Coach Dave's got a. Uh, something he's he's putting together for this weekend, so don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about uh, the abortion issue and, and many other things with Coach Dave yeah. after this break. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of end times fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Hagman and Hagman Report uh, coming up is Coach Dave Dobmeyer, America's Coach. That's right, Coach Dave live. Now, Larry Nichols was on the previous segment, 28YearsToNowhere.com. It's his book, name of his book, 28 Years to Nowhere. Hmm. I'm going to tell you something, okay? I'm going to tell you something right now, and uh, I, I, I truly believe this. Watching, covering the news, the the the, uh, the intense, the intensity of the firing of James Comey. Didn't I tell you, when this broke, didn't I say the comparisons were going to be made to Nixon? Nixonian, oh, which is totally horse manure. Nixon, of course, back in 72, that whole thing was about the release of a tape, the subpoena of a tape, and of course Nixon wanted... Uh, the special prosecutor Archibald Cox fired, and so he 
went to his attorney general, said, hey, would you fire Cox? And the AG said, no. So he went to the deputy AG, would you fire Cox? No. And, of course, that that, that became, in, in a nutshell, what, what's known as a Saturday Night Massacre. It has nothing to do with this. The attorney general, in this case, the assistant attorney general, or deputy attorney general, sent documentation to the attorney general, Sessions, and said, Comey needs to go, essentially. Sessions told Trump, hey, Comey needs to go. Being the boss that he is, Trump said, okay, he's got to go. So here's the bottom line on this, man. Here's the bottom line. It's, uh, it has nothing to do with the Nixon uh, uh, template. However, I told you that they were going to make it as it would be Nixonian. I told you that this is, and Joe, you and I had talked yeah. about this, right? And I said, this is a huge deal. But, you know, um, today, and uh, it seems that it's dying down, you know, the um, at least the, the, the hysteria. And, and I got to say, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's it is only being dying down. Pro- yeah, but it's only dying down for those outside of the beltway. Inside of the beltway, there's a craze. There's blood there in the water. Craze. Yeah, but and the regular, regular people don't care. The regular people, they've got their heads so f- The regular people out there, and including many uh, on the conservative side and the conservative Christians, I'm sorry, but they've got their heads so f- Well, rectal cranial inversion, a bad case of rectal cranial inversion. They, I don't, I'm not sure if they should see a proctologist or a general surgeon. It depends on the depth that they've got it, but but that's the problem. Um, folks, real quick, uh, go to our website. Go to our website. Do uh, please check out the webs, uh, the right hand side there on our website, HagmanReport.com. There's a, a box for a survey. Please partake in that survey. You'll know what it's about. It's to help us out with with all of our sponsorship across the board. Uh, it's a survey on the right hand side. It'll take you take you 30 seconds. Okay, go on the right hand side, HagmanReport.com. Look for the survey box. Bada bang, bada bang. There you go. Also, how about this? You haven't heard about these people in a while. Pred defense. You know, many people, even those in uniform, have been have been using shotguns for decades, haven't we? For things that go bump in the night. No one disputes the incredible firepower of the shotgun or the need for one. However, what can be disputed is the, is that most are not proficient in performing an emergency reload. Simply put, what is the fastest way to get that empty chamber filled with a fresh shell? People have been trained on how to reload from a side saddle, but that takes precious time. You usually end up taking your eyes off the target and focusing on the shell. Plus, you need fine motor skills for this task. We know that when your adrenaline is running out or running, we lose our fine motor skills. Hey, I lose them just, you know, that's why, that's why my, my wife makes me wear a bicycle helmet in the house. Um, look, you need a you need a way to rapidly get that fresh shell into the chamber using gross motor skills. You've got to ask yourself if your adrenaline is pumping, can you truly get that fresh shell into the chamber proficiently? Folks, I would encourage anyone, everyone, to take a look at preddefense.com. That's P-R-E-D, preddefense.com. They have a solution, a patented solution that I think you're going to appreciate. All right. With that, I got to tell you, Joe, real quick uh, before we bring Coach Dave live on, or Coach Dave on, I was uh, I was tuning into Coach Dave live the other morning, and I don't know what I did. I press a button, and all of a sudden, I hear this, Doug. Hey, I can, you know, <laughs> hey, hey, I can see you. It's like, well, huh? how did I do that? So anyway, go ahead. Yeah. With that, uh, we have Coach Dave. He's he's going to be with us for this segment. Coach, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you. Guys, I'm not hearing anything. Do you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you. Hey. Well, if he can't hear us, that's not going to do him any good. So I'm not hearing you for okay. some reason. I don't know what's going on here with my system. All right. If I can figure it out. 
Hang on, hang on one second. Okay. I'm going to do sign language for, for, for those on, for those on the radio or listening on Global Star, you, you're going to like my sign language. No, not Maybe that sign language. A, I'm holding up, storm. I'm holding up a finger. Just hold on there, coach. Hold on. But coach Dave live, coach live, uh, coach Dave live.com. He's got a great show someday in the morning. Uh, does a great job. We're going to uh, reconnect, uh, we're going to reconnect with him or fix the connection. Chances are is if he's going via Skype, I'll bet you it's being used by the, uh, other program he uses for his morning show. So we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, fix, we're gonna get them all fixed up. But what Larry Nichols said, Joe, I'm telling you, we're in trouble. Well, there's definitely, um, something going on in the, in the White House. We know that there is, um, people who are against Trump's agenda against Trump. And, you know, I was listening to Michael Savage's show from yesterday and he made a great point that, you know, we didn't elect really, we didn't really elect Trump. We elected the, the ideology, the That's uh, right. he's the man who is promoting the agenda of you know uh, restoring you know our national sovereignty. And that's what that's that's what uh, we said too. I mean, right? And it's savage. They won. He, he paints it as you know borders, language, and culture. Right. But it's more than that. But he's right to the extent saying that it's not Trump we elected. It's it's his uh, agenda. It's the ideology that he that he represents. But there's a problem. It, it is Trump we elected because nobody else in Washington is going to continue this same agenda right so we we are you know in a we are vulnerable in that way and you Very. know if anything happens to trump whether he gets we'll just say god forbid taken out or you know in any way or, or the an impeachment is i mean bill bill clinton was impeached but right. he remained he stayed in, you know, yeah. yeah so you'd have to have him removed but again there's nobody to pick up where where trump left off and if he's the only thing standing between us and, you know, a Hillary Clinton-style presidency or, or those same ideals, uh, as you see from the left, then we're, we are in a lot of trouble. That's right. And, you know, Savage posed the question, what can we do uh, to keep this agenda moving forward? And, and, and you know, again, we, we, we have said that. It's, it's not Donald Trump the man as much as what he represents, and he represents a, a public that is generally sick and tired. Just give us a, give us a thumbs up when we got him. Okay, he represents the of uh, the public that is sick and tired of being sick and tired, sick and tired of of of, of having uh, uh, homosexuality crammed down our throats, sick and tired of having open borders crammed down our throats, it's multiculturalism rammed down our throats. The thirty-one different pronouns for uh, male and female when there should be two uh, just two uh, uh, gender designations. All right, we're sick and tired of that. We're sick and tired of having to press two for Spanish, at least in my view. We're sick and tired of these 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 wimpy uh, uh, people out there. I mean, th- th- that are pushing the or the two percent that are dictating to the ninety eight percent or the three percent who are uh, pushing this homosexual sick agenda. We're sick and tired of seeing uh, unborn children uh, being killed on a wholesale level. We are sick and tired of of having the IRS being hijacked in in my opinion by people like Lois Lerner and uh, Koskinen who, who, who have not been uh, punished for what they've done. We're sick and tired of being attacked every single day by these Antifa Revcom punks. We're sick and tired of it. And Donald Trump represented a man that was going to drain the swamp. And the swamp needs to be drained. And I'll tell you what, if he doesn't drain the swamp, the swamp is going to envelop and, 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 and uh, uh, drown him. 
because he's not going to last that long. So what we have to do as a people, as a nation, as conservatives, as Christian conservatives, stop wimping out. Get your act together, get your head out of your rear end, and stop wimping out. All right? And, and you know, stop uh, fighting one another. Stop ankle-biting each other. Start standing up. Stand your ground. Draw that line and say, "I, you know what? You ain't pushing me. No, 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 no. No more. No more. Fight back. You want solutions? The solution is this. We're not going to take it anymore. We're not going to be pushed around anymore. All right? That's the solution. They call them the groups by any means necessary. Well, guess what? We, this is by any means necessary as well. You know, I, I, it, it angered me when I when I saw that Tim Allen, an actor in California, Los Angeles, John and I were talking about this. Uh, was was uh, his show was canceled? I know what that's about. Tim Allen, he conservative views, last man standing. It's he it was a pro-Trump, pro-conservative platform. It ain't cool out in Hollywood to be that. You see, now we have to start fighting back and saying, okay. Uh, we're, we're not going to play this game. We are not going to be, we're not going to be involved in this. We are not going to take this. We should be, you know, we should, by all, uh, as far as I'm concerned, we should be selling pitchforks and torches. We should not go out to these, uh, abortion clinics or these murder, uh, houses or these, uh, uh, you know, if we are going to protest, I believe that uh, if, if that's what you want to do, protest and protest only, I believe that we should be carrying lit torches and pitchforks just for the optics. People talk about optics. There's some optics. Coach, can you hear us? I can't. I can't hear you guys. I don't know what the heck's going on with my uh, with our Skype, but yes, I hear you. I see you. Everything's good. And uh, for some reason, I'm getting frozen up on this end. Uh, are you, you hearing me fine, guys? Yes, yes. Yeah, coming through good. Okay, cool. Man, hey, Doug, Joe, I, I listen to Larry Nichols. I was getting goosebumps. I'll tell you. Goosebumps, man, as my eyes begin to open up. I'm trying. One of the things I think we have to continue to remind ourselves of is that this is a spiritual war. Yep. It's a spiritual war. The scriptures say that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against evil spirits in high places. The weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And I was just blown away by what I heard Larry Nichols say. And uh, I just want to share some things with you tonight. I appreciate always being on with you guys. You know, I called I called uh, John a couple, three days ago. I said, man, I got something to say. And I, don't even, I don't, didn't even know what it was I had to say, but I got something... Something to say tonight. I just appreciate Doug and Joe that you give me the opportunity. I'm sorry that Skype's not not working the way it's it is right. here. My, Your voice is coming clear. Studio. It, it is what it is. Hey guys, I got I got Psalms two in front of me right now. So is it okay if I read it? I mean, I know it is, but I want to yeah want to share with the listeners out there Psalms two. We just heard Larry Nichols tell us what's going on in the natural realm. Okay, and to all the all the faithful listeners out there, to Hagman and Hagman, I want you to understand something. But there are two teams. There are only two teams in this battle. The devil has a team, and the Lord God Almighty has a team. And for some reason that I cannot explain, only one team is actively playing on the field. 
It's like going to a football game and the other team never runs out and takes the field. All we have to do is look around. The, I call them the God-hating left. You call them whatever you want to. They are so actively involved and engaged in everything that is going on in the physical realm. And, hey, Doug, Joe, somebody, please, anybody out there in Hagman and Hagman land, somebody please tell me one offensive play that you have seen uh, the Lord's team run. Tell me one offensive play that you've seen us run. I could could take some time and pause for a while and wait, but I'm going to tell you, you're not going to come up with one. Because we are defense only. I don't know what has happened to us that, that, that we don't understand that what manifests, what starts out in the spiritual realm ends up in the natural realm. And this, this cataclysmic battle, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman is playing, playing out right in front of us. Listen guys, girls, everybody out there listening. It's happening in America for a reason. America is the final block in Western civilization as we all know it. It's the final one. It's the final. If we can't figure out that the attack is on Christian America, once Christian America, if we can't see that and understand, then I, I, then, then we do not have a chance. And see, we are, we are placing our hope in Donald Trump. Make America great again. Folks, Donald Trump cannot make America great again. He can't do it. The only ones who can make America great again is the church of Jesus Christ. The born-again, spirit-filled Christians, the remnant church, unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what happened in November, and I was on shortly, well, I was on election night with you, Doug and Joe, whenever a miraculous thing took place, that miraculous election, I said, something happened tonight. It may be good and it may be bad. But I know this, God worked a miracle. There was no way that that Donald Trump should have been president of the United States. He worked a miracle so confounding the world that they are, that they're off, they're off the handle. They are off the handle. I'm in, I'm in Psalm 2. Hey, please folks, listen. The spiritual war is playing out in the natural realm, but it's a spiritual war. Why did the heathen rage? Psalm says, Psalm 2, and the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth, think about that, Doug. Think about it. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away the cords from us. In other words, they're saying, let's throw this Jesus stuff off. Let's throw this God stuff off. Let's reject everything that has to do with the Almighty. And what does it say? They want to cast, they want to cast all of those restraints off. They want to have homo marriage. They want to kill babies. They want to lie and steal and corrupt and they want to do everything they can. And Doug, the good news is the Bible says here in verse four that he that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord's laughing at it, laughing. Not in that it's funny, 
But that, are you kidding me, the Lord's saying? Are you kidding me? They think they can overthrow me. Are you kidding me? That's what's going on, fellas. That's what's going on. And I, I made a lot of enemies, Doug and Joe. I made a lot of enemies. When I came out early as, in a, as a man, a, 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 I think, a fully um, confirmed believer in Jesus Christ. I, I, brothers, I've been on the front lines declaring the name of the Lord. Everybody that knows me knows that to be the true. true. And people were calling me a sellout because I said uh, that I, Donald Trump's the answer. I was telling them, Donald Trump's the answer. But see, listen, Donald Trump is not the answer. Donald Trump was merely a bouncer at the bar. He blocked the door. He stood in front of the door and said, No, Hillary, no. What Larry Nichols just talked about, Donald Trump, I believe, under the direction of the Lord, stood there and said, No, you're not coming in here. And we have now, those of us who carry the name of Christ, the, we deplorables who, who went out and put Donald Trump in office, now we've retreated. We're not even on the battlefield, and we're watching what's going on in Washington, D.C., and we are expecting Donald Trump to do it all. Doug, he isn't going to do it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter uh, 16 that he would build a church and the gates of hell will prevail against the church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. Donald Trump blocked the door. Do you understand? He blocked the door and he said, okay, come on, church. Come on, reestablish your authority. And Doug, we're a hundred days out, or how people were talking about how important the first hundred days were going to be. We're a hundred days out. We are there. And where in the name of the Lord is the church? Where is the church? I, I hear emails. I get Facebook messages from people say, see, Trump's a sellout. He hasn't ended abortion. He hasn't stopped gay marriage. I said, my goodness, why would we expect him to do what the pastors won't do. The pastors won't be, they won't light a flame. They won't get out there. They won't take it to the streets. They won't come, the pastors and the Christians, they won't come out in the streets the way God's tear, the devil's team's out there. The devil's team's on the field kicking our butt and we are missing in action. I got inspired by Larry Nichols because we are it, brothers. We are the A team. We are it. And if Christians, those, those daggone, cowardly, money-grubbing pastors are going to lose everything that they've been talking about trying to get a hold of. And my Bible still says that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We won't even show up and play. Doug and Joe, this is all over me, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm feeling this deep inside my bones. And I'm telling you right now, the entire heavenlies are watching down on it. You know, it tells us that in, 
in Hebrews 11 that we're, or 12 that we're encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. They're looking over at the, the, the window sills in heaven. They're looking down over the balcony and they're watching what's going on right now. They said, this is it. This is the battle. And where's God's team? Where's the church? Brother, they're nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. And then those guys who stand in the pulpit and call themselves pastors have the audacity, oh my goodness, to criticize Donald Trump for not doing what the pastors themselves won't do. The pastors are supposed to lead us. We ought to have thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians out in the street. Instead, we we retreat, we meet, we eat, and then we go home. Okay, man, that's my opening rant. I'm sorry about the technical issues here no on my, worries, on my man. end, brother. Coach, we've right. got about four minutes left. Let's, 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 hear your, let's hear your wrap-up, man. If that was your <laughs> opening, man, I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, I love truth, you, man. Isn't I, it the I, truth, I Doug? It. Isn't it the truth? Isn't it the truth yep. that, that God's team isn't even on the daggone field? You know, here's, let me give yep. you an illustration. I'm going to, I'm going to Louisville, Kentucky this weekend. Say, Coach, why are you going down there? Well, because in Louisville, Kentucky, Matt Bevan, the elected governor of the state of Kentucky, declared about two months ago that the only abortion clinic left in the state of Kentucky, in, in Louisville, has to be closed. It violated health standards in the state of Kentucky. And he said, close it. Well, we know what happens next, right? Some federal judge sticks his nose where it doesn't belong and says, no, no, to put an undue burden on women who want to murder their daggone babies. And so we're going to let that thing stand open. Now, so we got a decision we got to make here. Do we force Governor Bevan to make a decision? Or do we force Governor? I, I would like to force. See, Doug, everywhere you look in America today, the left is defying the government everywhere you look. Sanctuary cities, sanctuary states. They're defying the government everywhere you look. And Christians are obeying this ungodly government. I think it's time we declared Kentucky a sanctuary city for the preborn. No murders. No more baby murders here in Kentucky. I'm going to be there. I challenge others to come out there and stand with us on Saturday morning at the last remaining abortion clinic in, in Louisville. But, Doug, can I tell you the truth? Most people ain't gonna come. All right, I'm gonna they, t- uh, Dave, Coach Dave. I'm gonna tell you something. Okay, anyone listening to this in and around Kentucky, Louisville, especially in and around Kentucky, what time are you gonna be down there, Coach? I'm gonna be there seven o'clock Saturday morning. There'll be others yeah. that are gonna be there. There are yeah. others gonna be there. Because at some point, Larry Nichols told us we got to push back, Doug. Right we got to push back. We got to push back against this ungodly government, against the devil's team, and say no, no. Because why, brother? We walk in the authority of Almighty God. He's greater as he that is in us. We preach it, Doug, but we don't live it and we don't walk it. No. No. But but uh, this is a plea to anyone around in Kentucky. I mean, if you're within, look, just back up, Coach Dave. Give him some support down there. Louisville, Kentucky. I know we have listeners in Kentucky. I know we have listeners in Louisville. My goodness. If you, back him up. Um, Doug, this is this is just the beginning of pushing back. See? Right. We have to. We see the other side out in the streets. They know this is a sanctuary city. We don't care what the president says. We don't care what the judges say. We don't care. We ain't gonna. We ain't gonna obey. And what do we Christians do? Oh well, we'll obey the government. We'll obey the government. Hey, Doug, can I say this? We're getting our asses kicked. We are, and it's a shame. It's a damn shame. 
that we're getting our asses kicked. And thank you for being that blunt. You know, a lot of Christians are, are too busy uh, uh, sniping at other Christians or so-called Christians. A lot of conservatives are sniping at other conservatives. You know, we can't get our collective acts together. Let's get it together and let's fight back, push back. Otherwise, we ain't going to be able to push anything. Hey, Doug, you know I, I walk it, man. I don't just talk. Do you know I, that about yeah, me, right, brother? Yeah, you I know, know that. I'm going to be there. We need others to be there. Hey, you don't come. I'm going to be there. There'll be some of my friends. I'm, we're going to be there. But listen, I'm going to tell you this. When when what Larry Nichols talked to us about, when this other side, when the devil's team pulls that final lever and they pull it down on us, you ain't going to blame me. You're not going to be able to blame me. I warned you, and we got to stand up and we got to push back. Amen, brother. Okay, oh, yeah. absolutely. Coach, I'm beginning in Louisville, Kentucky, Saturday. All right, we're out of time, brother, but I'm going to tell you something. You're Coach Dave Live, everybody, in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Time, CoachDaveLive.com. I love that. I love that. I don't know how I, I don't know how I, what button I pushed, but I was on. Thank you for that, by the way. It's great, man. It, it rocks, Doug. It's, it's, uh, it's a huddle for, for manly Christianity. You want to be a man? You want to stand up and be a man? Join us, CoachDaveLive.com. Flood, flood it. That's right. All right, brother. God bless Amen. you guys. Thanks for right. thanks for having me on. Hey Doug, we're going to win this thing. We're going to win this thing. Or by, by God, we're going to go down trying. Anyway, a- amen, man. And this is America's coach, Coach Dave Dobmeyer, CoachDaveLive dot com, Coach Dave Live. And you know what? If, you, if you're listening to this in Louisville and you're not with him on Saturday morning, shame on you. Let's 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 get it together. Let's fight. Bring your pastor. Bring your daggone pastor. There you go. All right. Get that sissy out of the pulpit. Bring now him with fire you. up. <laughs> right on, brother. We'll be right back with Steve Quill and Tim Alberino. Don't go anywhere. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas for fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? 
You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an ammo can. For investors, Timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. PreciousTimberProfits.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and the Hagman Report. HagmanReport.com, that is the location for uh, show information, show prep. Hagman and Hagman is where you can actually go to watch the show. But HagmanReport.com, while you're there, please click on the box on the right-hand side that says Survey. Please complete the survey. You'll see it. And for show scheduling, there's an old-time radio there. Click on that, of course, and uh, you'll be good to go for the week. Sometimes we surprise you, sometimes we don't. Sometimes there's uh, changes, sometimes there aren't. And, of course, uh, uh, right now we're going to be uh, bringing out some stellar guests. You know, March 5th, 1962, there was an episode of The Twilight Zone called To Serve Man, To Serve Man, right? Everyone remember that episode? I, I, it's in syndication right now. Now, I'm not going to give away the ending, of course, but... Uh, to serve man, uh, it's a cookbook. Yeah, look, if you haven't seen it, come on. Uh, but you remember the, uh, tall giant there, right? That visited the United Nations. Well, I was, Steve Quayle and I were talking about that episode the other day. And, uh, we're not living in the science fiction world. We're not living in the science fiction realm, although it may seem that way. And, uh, right now, Steve Quayle and Timothy Alberino are on with us. They have a new, uh, their new DVD is coming out, um, or the, the, I'm sorry, the new DVD and video is out. It is a fantastic, absolutely fantastic expose. You talk about how well done it is. I, I just can't even describe it to you. Um, I, 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 I don't want to waste any time. I really don't. Steve Quayle, Tim Alvarino. Steve, are you on with us? I'm not. Yes, kidding. I am, Doug. Okay, all right, there we go. And Tim, I know Tim Alvarino's on with us. Steve, I'm gonna, we're gonna kick it to you. Let's get, let, let's hit the ground running, my brother. Go ahead. Well, the nice thing about having Tim and I on right now, we hit the ground running, but I think we're gonna take people to places that they've never probably embraced before. I wanna start out by saying this whole thing of giants and genetic engineering and genetic alteration and everything we're talking about is based on the Bible and especially the book of Genesis, which the first temptation of uh, Satan, uh, or let's just say the serpent in the 
garden was to promise eternal life to Adam and Eve if they disobeyed God's first of all Eve and then followed by Adam's acquiescence you know ye shall be as gods knowing both good and evil and as we begin to watch the headlines of today we're seeing more and more an understanding of just how evil uh, human beings can be Doug and the evil actions they take especially on the little children you know in reading about the pedigate and all of the, the, the blood sacrifices and everything what people don't understand is we're returning to the religion of the Canaanites we're, religion, we're returning to uh, Baal worship when you've got the uh, world's who's who standing in the arch of Baal and these are all guys giving uh, high fives to their Luciferian the elite plan to conquer the world. I'd say it's relevant to Christianity, but again, I want to say something. People should really, when they listen to this kind of stuff, take it to the Lord in prayer, because over the past, you know, 25 years of being on talk radio, a lot of people formed an opinion uh, numbers of years ago that this is all crazy talk, irrelevant, why don't you guys talk more about Jesus? And Jesus said, lo, I come in the volume of the book, and Jesus speaking, it is written of me. So the point being tonight is we're going to give you some mind-blowing stuff. In other words, the old gods, small g, the pagans, the fallen angels, their progeny, the giants, they're coming back, and they're coming back with a vengeance. And one of the things that's so important and critical, I know that the time that we're releasing right now is available immediately for uh, Vimeo downloads. You know, it is absolutely a must for people to see Holocaust of Giants. Uh, all over the world, people are downloading it and saying, wow. The reason it's well done is because it's well researched, it's well presented, and this isn't, you know, like two guys with a handicap and uh, reporters on the street seeing how stupid college kids can be because they want to play with Play-Doh on their sandbox. So, Tim has been doing uh, an amazing job of uh, writing and integrating this stuff into all of the different Sardinian legends, the history of the Naragi. So, we're going to start in Sardinia, and then later on in hour two, we'll move to the desert southwest. But I think it's critical that people understand that we're not just sitting here to, you know, provide entertainment. We're trying to give people that can quote Ephesians 6, the spiritual discernment, that we're trying to get them to understand the true nature of the battle. I think, honestly, Doug, that most people think that uh, spiritual warfare is something they go to a Sunday school uh, lesson on, listen to six, maybe seven sermons over six, seven weeks, and then don't even understand what it is they're fighting against, who it is they're fighting against, or the power that God has given to stand against it. So, Tim, let's go ahead, if you wouldn't mind, and, and you know, turn it over when you're ready, but lay out why Sardinia, lay out the religion of the Canaanites, and lay out to everybody what we're really presenting in probably the most concise historically uh, record-breaking and history-breaking DVD, in my opinion, that's ever been produced. Well, um, can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah. And we can hear okay, you, and, and Tim uh, and folks are listening on Global Star and BTR, we can also see you on uh, via YouTube Live. So, thank you. Okay, excellent. Uh, well, Sardinia, for those who don't know, is part of Italy. It, uh, it's part of It's a province of Italy. It's, it's located west of Rome. It's an island below the island of Corsica, the birthplace of Napoleon Bonaparte. And um, it's, uh, it's a relatively large island, but it's a, it is a very obscure island. 
uh, both in terms of uh, how well known it is and also in historic historical terms. Um, not many people know much about the island of Sardinia. I didn't until a friend of ours, uh, someone who became a good friend of mine, sent us a letter um, telling us that we needed to go to the island of Sardinia, that there was um, some very interesting things going on there, and that um, it was it, it was an island that that had a lot of evidence of giants. So uh, we went on a, as many of you know, we went up we went on a preliminary trip to Sardinia, and um, we were struck with the. Um, with how ambiguous that place is, first of all, and I'll talk about that uh, in a little more depth in a minute, but also the the sense that there was a the, the cover of giants. Many people are familiar with the Smithsonian cover up of giants in the United States. Um, it's in, and that is something that has been uh, covered a lot in different documentaries and different books and articles, uh, both on the internet and, and before the internet existed. It, it was a, it was sort of a well known fact that the Smithsonian had been covering up the remains uh, of giants in the United States, the skeletal remains of giants, among other things, in the United States. Um, but that was something that was sort of buried in the past. Uh, what we have left from from that time are old newspaper clippings and and recounts from farmers and recounts from different people who went digging in the mounds and we have some historical accounts from uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln Lincoln and so forth um, but there was really there wasn't really anything fresh at least not in the in the in the uh, public venue that that we could latch onto in terms of the Smithsonian. A cover-up of giants, because by this time many of the mounds in America have been excavated. Almost all of them have been excavated, and the remains of giants have been taken away and basically uh, sequestered in the vaults of the Smithsonian Institution. And by the way, those vaults are huge. I think um, Steve has uh, described some of those vaults on this show before. They're absolutely massive, multiple football fields wide, long, I should say, multiple stories high. Uh, of artifacts, literally millions, tens of millions of artifacts that have been sequestered by the Smithsonian Institution, hidden away in their vaults, uh, very much like the situation that has been occurring with the Vatican. Uh, however, I discovered that in Sardinia, a Smithsonian-like cover-up was afoot, was alive and well on the island. And there are many Ruins. There are many ancient ruins on the island of, of Sardinia. There are over 30,000 megalithic towers. There were once over 30,000 megalithic towers present on the island of Sardinia, not to mention hundreds and hundreds of megalithic tombs, among other edifices. This is one island, and this is exclusively on this one island. So, obviously, right off the bat, uh, when I landed in Sardinia, when we arrived in Sardinia on the first trip, uh, I was astounded by the sheer uh, quantity of rubble that was evident all over the countryside, megalithic rubble everywhere. So it was evident that there was something extremely important, crucial happening on the island of Sardinia in relationship to the other islands around Sardinia and the other, uh, the other land masses around Sardinia. This was something very unique was happening on that one island. It is very uncommon to find the residue, so much megalithic residue on, in, in one small confined landmass. So there are about 7,000, 
what they call nuragi or nuragi is the plural term. Uh, there are over 7,000 nuragi still standing to this day, but at one time there were over 30,000. And these are megalithic towers. Some of these towers are extremely high, over 100 feet high. Were over 100 feet high. They were they're, they were devised in the typical cyclopean style, um, using rough hewn stones without the use of mortar. Uh, and the megalithic tombs, some of them are absolutely immense, incorporating some of the largest stones, uh, certainly the largest stones I've seen in Sardinia, are incorporated into what are called and have been since time immemorial the tombs of the giants. And again, there were hundreds of these tombs all over the island at one time. Now there's, uh, now there's probably 30 or so that are still in uh, relative, uh, relatively good shape. So... I was struck immediately with the sense that something uh, extremely important was happening on this island, and then I began to talk to the people in Sardinia, uh, interview some of the elder, some of the older people in Sardinia, and one after another, we we were getting these these testimonies from these people who were, who had dug up the bones of giants themselves, either digging additions to their houses or gardening in their backyard or, or plowing in the fields, or in some cases, who were actually hired by the government of uh, of um, Kajeri in, in the capital of Sardinia to to extract the bones of giants from some of these megalithic sites, uh, some of which were sitting literally sitting right underneath of uh, Catholic churches, which which of course wasn't surprising to us. So you have you have this this Smithsonian like cover up happening still to this day on the island of Sardinia. While we were there, we were able to visit on the very first trip. When I, I, I've gone there twice. The first time was a preliminary trip. The second time we went back with our professional camera crews and actually shot the film. Um, and on that first trip, we actually visited a site. We visited a site in Sardinia where they were extracting something from one of these megalithic towers. They were doing a excavation in the tower. It was totally off limits. There were signs everywhere. We approached it as close as we could. And it was evident that they were extracting something from this megalithic tower. And we know from the testimonies of the people in Sardinia that uh, they were routinely discovering, associated with the towers, but, but especially with the tombs, routinely discovering giants from 8 to 9 to 10 to 11 to 12, all the way up to 15 feet tall, uh, the skeletal remains of giants of, of that magnitude, of that size. So, um, and again, this is happening right now. Uh, probably this morning, there were people in Sardinia uh, extracting these these uh, bones out of the out of the megalithic sites uh, that are present there, the the ruins of the the, the Nuragi ruins. And so there's this this culture in Sardinia, this ancient culture, which is referred to as the Nuragic culture. And if you do any kind of um, investigation into the history of Sardinia, you're going to hit a wall really fast. And that wall is called the Nuragic culture because Obviously, there was a a culture that was uh, advanced, that was building with with megalithic stones, over 30,000 towers. That takes empire, by the way. That's not something that farmers do. And this, of course, just like all over the earth, suddenly this culture disappears, and um, and is referred to today as the, as the Nuragic people. Nobody really knows who the Nuragic people were. Uh, there are some guesses. I think in our film we pinpoint who the Nuragic people were. And for those of you who've seen the film, you know what we're talking about. 
Um, but this culture was was uh, there's all kinds of legends and rumors that come from the distant past concerning this culture. We have rumors of cannibalism, for example. We we have legends and rumors of of great warriors and and giants, certainly of giants. And you cannot separate Sardinia from giants. It is absolutely ingrained into the history of Sardinia. And again, very little is known about this place. Everybody goes off to uh, the, the Great Pyramids uh, in, in Egypt, or to the or to Machu Picchu in Peru, or to these, some of these other famous uh, megalithic sites, some of these other archaeological, mysterious archaeological sites. And Sardinia has somehow gone totally overlooked over the years. But I think that. And, and this is uh, part of the premise of our film, that Sardinia truly does unlock the mystery of the migration of the Rephaim, the migration of the giants from the uh, what was the Levant, the promised land, um, before and after they were expelled by Joshua, who consequently they called him Joshua the robber because he came and expelled the Rephaim from the land of Canaan. And the Rephaim, of course, uh, were refers to, in, ge- in a general sense, the, the races of giants that were living within the land of Canaan. There were different races of giants living within the land of Canaan. They were mingled in with regular-sized people. Uh, but certainly there were whole clans and tribes of giants living in the Promised Land before Moses and Joshua arrived with the children of Israel. And when they did arrive... Um, they were confronted with, uh, not only were they confronted with the giants, they were confronted with a situation that would um, plague Israel throughout its history, probably still plagues Israel to this day, and that is what Steve mentioned, the Canaanite, uh, I'm sorry, the sorcery of the Canaanites, because the term Canaanite generally, generally refers to the tribes, the inhabitants of the land of Canaan that were inhabiting the promised land, and uh, among them were the Rephaim. The Rephaim were in their midst. The Rephaim, of course, were the giants, were the offspring of the Watchers, were the, were, were the sons of the gods. Uh, they were they were worshipped. They were um, they were venerated by the Canaanite populace. Uh, they were the great warriors. They were the mighty men of old, as the Bible calls them. And not just the Bible, by the way. All over the world, they were known as the mighty men, the heroes. And in Sardinia, we find the same terminology being used of the Rephaim giants. These are the mighty men. The <clears throat> the tombs of the giants uh, were associated with the mighty ones, the great ones, who were, uh, according to legend, in some cases buried beneath the tombs. And these megalithic tombs were literally built as conduits for communication, for um, what, uh, what Pember would call intercourse, with the spirits of the giants, and so these these hundreds of uh, these tens of thousands of megalithic towers that once existed on the island, hundreds and hundreds of megalithic tombs, we believe were fashioned by the Canaanites uh, and by the Phoenicians. The Canaanites became the Phoenicians for communication, for intercourse with the spirits of the Rephaim, of the mighty ones, and in our film. Uh, we break this down. We talk a lot about Canaanite sorcery, and I mentioned that this was uh, problematic for Israel. Um, after the conquest of Canaan, the Israelites were continually falling into the abominations of the Canaanites. 
and understand that the abominations of the Canaanites, and these are the abominations that the Israelites would commit these abominations, and then God would have to come and judge Israel severely, usually bringing foreign armies, plagues, and so forth. All throughout the history, the, the, the sordid history of the nation of Israel uh, after the conquest of the Promised Land. And so, the, this, the, what was the abomination of the Canaanites? What was the, what were these abominable practices that the Israelites kept falling into? Was, was it just uh, things that were uh, that God didn't like, bad things? Were they just breaking the laws of God, and so they were being judged? Well, yes, but it goes deeper than that. The abominations of the Canaanites was a very potent and real source of witchcraft, of demonic power, the sorcery of the Canaanites. This is the kind of sorcery that the witch of Endor used to call up the spirit of Samuel from the underworld. Uh, this, this is real sorcery. This is, this is necromancy. In fact, this is where we get uh, the modern version of necromancy is from the abominable practices of the Canaanites. In fact, the, the modern version of witchcraft and sorcery and necromancy and Satanism that we see today comes essentially from the Canaanites. And again, let me remind everyone that when we say Canaanites, we're saying Rephaim, the sons of the Watchers. And of course, these are generations departed from the Watchers because these are post-flood giants, giants that are living in a post-flood context that are inhabiting the land of Canaan, that are not only gigantic, monstrous creatures that are cannibals and terrorizing the land. Remember, they said of the land of Canaan that the land devours itself. There was cannibalism. Uh, It was a horrific scene uh, in terms of the, the giants and what they were doing. But these were supernatural beings, partly quasi supernatural hybrids and they were um, they were empowered with this sorcery they were empowered uh, with this uh, the, the sorcery of the Canaanites which came from the Rephaim which incorporated uh, some of the uh, rituals and ceremonies regarding relating to the Rephaim including the ceremonies the rituals to raise the Rephaim from the dead to communicate with the dead spirits of the giants uh, who there is uh, indication, and we talk about this in our film, could actually be held in a state of some kind of suspended animation. Uh, and we have some surprising data in our film, some surprising quotes in our film regarding suspended animation as it relates to the Giants. Steve? Yeah, you know, I, I've got to say this, that suspended animation... I'm sorry, Folks. go ahead. And, and, no, Steve, pick it up, because uh, I don't no, think... No, no, can you finish your thought, because I was on mute, so I didn't interrupt Tim in any way. Go ahead. The suspended animation factor that that Tim is talking about surprised me, okay? And people have to go to True Legends... Uh, I'm sorry, truelegendsoftheseries.com. I didn't mean to stutter there. Truelegendsoftheseries.com to, to watch this video. Uh, episode 3, the Holocaust of Giants. Um, it not only is it well done, but the information that it provides. This is kind of like the golden thread that weaves Genesis six giants, Xenogenesis, Empire beneath the ice. Uh, all it's it's a golden thread, and it also contextualizes the Bible, in my view, the historical aspects of the Bible. And Tim just did a, a marvelous summation. Um, 
of, of the, the one aspect, and especially about the Canaanites. By the way, we're going to skip the bottom of the hour break because this is too important to really, and I want to thank our network for, uh, Global Star Radio Network for skipping the bottom of the hour break. But Steve, this is amazing stuff, man. This is just, uh, this well, is so. Is especially, especially, let me share this. It is not coincidental that Tim and I got together. I mean, I believe that was the Lord. You know, one problem that a lot of people don't understand is is a lot of researchers and a lot of people that have been on the cutting edge, they don't have anything to pass their work to. You know, I wish I were Tim's age. I'm not. But here's the thing. We've got to be faithful. Paul had his Timothy. Obviously, Tim, you got a great name. And I'm not Paul, but what I am saying is this is that God is bringing together people and people's anointings for such a time as this, because up until the time of Hollywood and all the subject matter that's already being presented in graphic novels, in video games, I mean, this generation can now basically be uh, embraced with the truth because they live in the world of darkness. And believe it or not, Doug, and this is what you're really critically uh, uh, bringing up, is a fact of suspended animation. When I first started talking about giants and, and the specific generals that had told me about the giants in stasis, and Rick Wiles being given a supernatural dream vision by the Lord almost, I think he said, 25, 30 years ago, then you couple that with Henry Gruber's vision of the, of the uh, giant fallen angels beneath the streets of Rome, and God sends him, supernaturally translates him there, along with three other, I think three other or four other of his friends, and uh, they're all praying for the release of the apostolic and prophetic ministry to be be released that these two entities, uh, fallen angels, had bound. Now, what's really critical is this. In church history, there's a guy called Eusebius of Caesarea, okay? And some people pronounce his name Eusebius, some people pronounce Eusebius, but he lived about yeah, 265 to 340, so he's like, he died between 74 and 79 years old. Now, this was a guy that wrote, he's considered the father of church history, okay? This is not some moron that went around, you know, uh, pounding stones and, you know, trying to trying to draw, you know, animals on a wall. A very highly learned man. But I want to read a quote to you that's really critically important, because in his book, uh, uh, Preparatio Evangelica, you know, book number five, chapter 17, what he talks about was this. He talks about the time of, and the British Isles, boy, Rob and uh, Britain, you're going to love this one. And listen to this. He's talking about a, a man, okay, uh, who is sent to the British Isles, and he's in. He's looking for the infamous King Og, who history reports was another name for Kronos. Kronos, obviously, one of the Greek and demigods. Now listen to this. There was, this is Eusebius, he's, a, he's a, an apologist, he's also the father of church history, okay? If you look him up, you're going to find out, this is no, but this is no guy on a peyote uh, uh, diving board trying to, you know, make up stuff. There was, however, one island there in which Cronus was confined and guarded in his sleep by Barreras, for his sleep had been artfully contrived to keep him bound, and there were many demons about him, now listen to this, as attendants and servants, according to Talos, a first century Greek historian, Og is none other than Cronus. Both Og and Cronus were known as the leader of the Titans. So according to Og of Bashan, now listen to this, 
he is still alive in stasis somewhere near Britain if he has not been moved. Now, the British Isles are ripe with giants. The five folk, I smell the blood of an Englishman. You know, all of the children's rhymes, uh, a little birdie told me so. All of, So many statements that have entered into the English language center around Great Britain. Gog and Magog. How many people fight over the identity of Gog and Magog, you know, in the book of Ezekiel? But how many people identify that the city of London venerates their two giants, and Gog and Magog. Please look it up, ladies and gentlemen. Do your homework. Tim and I have done ours. And even begin to grasp the fact that a supernatural intelligence behind the scenes, and some people will call it the shadow government, uh, the dark pool, the deep pool. I'm just telling you what it is. It's fallen angel land. There are entities of supernatural intelligence that understand human nature better than any shrink psychiatrist or psychologist because they've been manipulating it from the time of their rebellion against the living God. Now, Again, we're talking about the father of church history, talking about giants in suspended animation. So when when we get to this uh, point in our, on our new DVD, The Holocaust of Giants, you cannot separate cannibalism from the appetite of giants. That's why we call it The Holocaust of Giants. And I want to share something. There, uh, You know, you can watch, you know, Big Friendly Giant or all that stuff, but, you know, outside of the fairy tale realm, the real giants were absolutely horrific. Joshua and Caleb went into the land in Numbers 13, 32, and 33. In the Old Testament, look it up. And when when they sent their spies, excuse me, they sent their spies into the land, and they came back and said, for the land is, is, a, is a dangerous land, a deadly land, for the land devours its inhabitants. I remember telling you that, Doug, and you said, wow, I didn't know that. And Absolutely. it's not that you didn't know it, but most Christians will read that and not understand it. God has always been against cannibalism. Even people who try and make the Eucharist, you know, the bread and the wafer, or the wine and the, and the uh, uh, wafer, the literal body of Jesus Christ. Christ, that was done as a, and the, the, you know, I'm not going to argue faith. Obviously, uh, the Catholic Church believes it literally becomes the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, where we, just in the same sense, do this in remembrance of me. You know, the idea is that Jesus said he was the bread that came down from heaven. So now you've got basically the if you will, all of the genetic engineering and manipulation proving one thing, that there is an attempt to do away with the absolute seed, the genome, the human genetic makeup of all who are still descendants of Adam and Eve. It was 20 years ago, at least, when I started talking about genetic Armageddon. I don't know if you and I had just met, or we've only known each other for, what, 17 years, Doug? 16, yeah. 17 years. Yeah, it's, but even, it's, yeah not long enough, though, brother. Go ahead. Yeah, but yeah, well, thank you. But it, it's been that. So, genetic Armageddon is here. And now we've got, if you will, events transpiring, but you are what you eat. A good example of that is I remember when we were talking about Kuru, we were talking about on talk radio in those days, Kreutzfeldt Jacob disease. Some people pronounce it Jakob, Kreutzfeldt Jakob disease. Spongiform, bovine spongiform encephalopathy, that's a hard word, BSE, and in essence, it turns your brain into a sponge. Well, that was tracked back to the headhunters in New Guinea, who by eating the brains of the vanquished 
foes, you know, they believed, number one, they gained the spiritual power, but they also believed that they would take on themselves the physical nature of their enemy and add to their own warrior status and warrior prowess. So, you know, we, we in uh, the United States, we send a group of uh, top secret biological engineers down there, if you will, down there being in New Guinea. We culture Kuru. We find out what it is. And voila, you know, it, it's incorporated into biological weapons agents. And again, it's really tough because there's reports that have been done, and they've been done by the most prestigious, you know, universities in the world. And I wouldn't even name them because I'll let people do their homework. Maybe if they have to work for it, they'll appreciate it. But a lot of what is being, uh, uh, you know, given over as Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, they, they want that on the death certificate rather than CJD because you cannot kill a prion or a prion with normal chemistry. Now, how does this relate to what Tim and I are talking about tonight? The Holocaust of Giants. When the gates of hell are open, I know there are some, quote, Christian authors that say we misunderstand it, but let me share this. He wasn't on the scene 20 years ago saying this day would come. I hate to have to take a dig at it, but that's exactly what I'm doing. Because, again, everything has put, been put off, put off, put off. Someday has changed to that day. And what the Holocaust of Giants presents to people is all of the ancient myths and legends coming together and this mysterious culture, culture called the Naragi in Sardinia. So, you know, I, I can tell you this, because Tim and the film team over there on the second uh, uh trip, the one where they spent most of the time filming and interviewing, we have more interviews of people on record of talking about digging up the giants, digging up their bones, all the gold and silver, all the different artifacts that uh, came into uh, the possession of the church, and you know, those of you who have downloaded the movie on Vimeo, and by the way, if those of you want to see it right away, I would tell you this, uh, not download, forgive me, uh, stream it off of uh, Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O, some people pronounce it Vimeo, I guess I mispronounced it. But the point being is it's that important. There's no way people could have received what's in the Holocaust of Giants 10 years ago. Even though when I started writing about this on talk radio and talking about it, what, 20 years ago, you know, then it was just, oh, boy, that guy's, you know, fear monger, fear porn, trying to scare us. You know, why don't you talk more about Jesus? My answer is, who do you think gave me all this stuff in the first place? And for the record, I have been talking about Jesus. So the interesting uh, and anomalous part of this, this Holocaust of Giants is uh, uh, already, you know, as soon as we uh, are capable and able, and we use the funding from one DVD to produce the next, we're already on number four, laying out uh, uh, some amazing information. And I'm, I'm the kind of guy that likes to tell everybody the end of the book at the beginning, so they rush to the end. You know, I, I like to give the bottom line. I won't in this case, but we built up to the point where people say, I won't believe it until I see it, you know? You guys are man, crazy. You don't, well, wanna, you, yeah. you don't want to see that, man. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, you know, the deal is is that, that they're going to see it. And let's just share this. Your program, Doug, goes all over the world, okay? You know that, you know. I think uh, I ran my – I don't run anything on my website. I can barely do anything but drag and click. But I talked to my webmaster to get the stats, and I think it's pretty amazing. Tim, uh, how many countries are represented on our, our uh, Vimeo streams? It, you know, do you remember as a fifty? We have. Uh, well, I mean, for this, 
yeah, it's for this for the Holocaust of Giants. We have people from 44 countries who have streamed the film. Yeah, but I mean, Unholy Sea. How many? Wasn't it 50, 60 somewhere in there? I mean, uh, the Unholy Sea was more. Yeah, I mean, it was it was more yeah. like uh, actually, I can tell you right now, it was um, the Unholy Sea. We have like six, six, 60 countries. And we're already, you know, uh, seeing uh, the interest coming in uh, from, I'll tell you what's interesting to me. You know the people that are the hunger is for truth? And this is astonishing to me. And God bless the, the Australians and the South Africans have been incredibly faithful. And it's interesting because the Christians in South Africa just banded together, and not over the giants, but over repentance for their country because they are facing genocide. And, and a lot of people don't know that. By the way, you know, I, I'm telling you point blank, I had an eyewitness testimony of that. Uh, I happened to be the guy that I was filming with for the last two days down in Yellowstone National Park, and I just uploaded a very important story that people will understand. If there wasn't Yellowstone National Park, there would have been no, if you will, foundation to do what's now being done in molecular biology. And it's an amazing story. It's on my website 2015. So, in talking to South Africans and getting the emails, the more we talk to people, they say, are you aware of our uh, legends in our country, especially Australia, and they call it dream time? Are you aware in the South Pacific of all the uh, islands and all of the cannibalism? You see, one of the things that, that I would call evolutionary history doesn't want to do is they never want to tell the truth. They present facades. They uh, present false narratives. And everybody thinks that everybody's just basically a naked Neanderthal running around looking for a good-looking woman, hitting her on the head, you know, and over thousands of years, uh, things evolved. Well, now it's reversed. There are women home clubs beating men on the heads, dragging them out. No, I'm just kidding. But the point is, actually, maybe not. The, the fascinating thing, Doug, is that we're in a time period now that the cannibalism, the child sacrifice, and these are Canaanite practices and the lust for blood and the assumption of power. It's like Tom Horn once said. It's fascinating. The fallen angels want to interject themselves into our germline. In other words, be like us. And now you've got all the rich guys wanting to be like them. And in, in, it, it, if you look at the dichotomy of that, it's, it's perplexing. Uh, higher intelligence, higher uh, uh, created beings than mankind, you know, are basically trying to mess around and have sexual hanky-panky on the earth. Every myth, legend, and tradition that I have tracked with the exception of the minor one, I'm talking the major ones in the world, all have the cavorting of the gods with earth women. So when we go to Sardinia, and by the way, Sardinia is tied to Atlantis, and I'll let Tim deal with that, but the point that people have got to understand is this, we're laying it out for you. It's like God has provided the... Uh, puzzle pieces that have been kind of left with question marks, guess what? Those puzzle pieces are going into place now, and what we've done in Holocaust of Giants is is laid it out so, and, and I would say this, in my opinion, Tim has done a, a, a beyond, look, obviously we're friends, but this has nothing to do with it. He's done a marvelous job of taking the threads of Sardinia and Atlantis and, and cannibalism and the Canaanites and all the stuff we're talking about tonight and woven a screenplay that I believe is going to blow people's minds. And I mean that because the, the response we're getting is people love it. 
And those of you who are ordering, you know, DVDs, they, you know, they, we, they we're praying they start shipping on the fifteenth of this month. And, and Steve, I, I'm sorry for interrupting, but but I'll just say this: the uh, the the uh, interwoven thread here is just amazing, and you guys did a fantastic job on this. And I would urge everyone to either watch it on Vimeo or order the DVD. But here's what what, what Tim said, and what you said as well. As as we here at our offices, and even with Craig Sawyer, for example, um, who we met in Chicago, investigating. Pedogate, the larger aspect of Pizzagate, Pedogate. People think it's not real, but but you know what you said here. The relevance to which your research is to what's going on today among the elites, the cannibalism, folks. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, it's going on. And I just want to kind of just really kind of punch that home because the context, the relevance of what you're talking about, aside from the giants, aside from the um, the DNA giant. Aspect of this, and I'm, I'm, and I'm sorry, I don't want to, you know, go down a, a, a dead end road here or a different road, but this is this is so relevant in so many ways today. The the Bible, you you and you and Tim through this through this video have really um, uh, made the Bible come alive, proven the historical accuracy, in my view, anyway, through this of the Bible as well as the legends that are that we never get to see the stuff that's in the Smithsonian that. That we can't see. So thank you for that, but it's contextually relevant. I just wanted to throw that in there. I'll shut up now. Go ahead. Well, Tim, again, I'm going to turn it right back after, back at you, I guess, or right over to you. The thing that I think that is critical, why don't you share some of the stuff we've held, you know, and, and obviously, you know, don't spoil it. There's actually no spoilers. There's just mind-blowing stuff. But, it, you know, as, as you're looking back now, after all the editing, after everything is complete, what is the resolve that you have after doing everything we've done from wherever we're at? You've been in Sardinia, you've been in Peru, I've been in the desert southwest, and, and the things that are coming out, what's the thing that just absolutely jumps out at you more now than when you began, you know, the task of uh, going to Sardinia? I, I mean, it's like it's unfolding in real time is it not it is and uh, i misspoke earlier our th these films the true legend series have been seen in over 105 different countries yeah i thought and, that, yeah uh, 105 yeah so uh it, it's what's astounding to me is how as we look at the landscape of what what we refer to as forbidden history including giants and and other things uh, it's amazing how much history has been swept under the rug, especially in the information age in which we live today. I mean, you can you can go and find something and take a picture, and instantly it's on Facebook. I mean, people are 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 filming themselves uh, committing suicide and killing others on Facebook live. So it's it's interesting to see the tapestry of this gigantic cover up. Um, that has existed for many years, and I'm wondering, at some point, it's going to fall to pieces. At some point, that we've been pulling on the thread, and um, and this curtain is, is is coming apart. Now, I said we were we we've been seen in over 105 countries, our films, and our goal in the beginning was to not to produce uh, some small time. Uh, film and just sell it to, uh, to a hardcore fan base. Our goal in the beginning was to compete with the Discovery Channel. 
Our goal in the beginning was to compete with the History Channel, was to compete with ancient aliens. That's what we set out to do. And I can tell you definitively at this point that in terms of our content, we are. And I can tell you that we are because I won't go into details, but we've been contacted by these entities and agencies representing them. And they're very interested in working with us now, and they're very interested in, in uh, some other conversations we've had. And they're taking notice what Gen 6 Productions has been doing, what we've been producing, the kind of content that's been coming out. And so it's only a matter of time. I mean, um, and people ask all the time, by the way, uh, well, where are the bones? Why don't you actually produce bones or film bones or whatever? Well, the truth is this. I had on occasion the, the opportunity to, to, to take possession of bones. I chose not to for a number of reasons. Um, there are security concerns involved in all this. There are, uh, I mean, it's easy to sit behind a computer and type those kinds of things. But when you're actually in a situation where you're being watched, where you're being surveilled, and the stakes are very high, the stakes are high not only for you, but for those who have accompanied you, your crew, and, <clears throat> and also for, uh, of course, the, the, the equipment that you have with you and uh, the footage that you want to be able to get out of the country with. There's a lot of things that go into play here, but I can tell you uh, th th this isn't about a lack of evidence. All it, There's so much. If you take, if you compile the totality of the information that we put into these three films, going back to True Legends Episode 1, Technology of the Fallen, taking a look at the uh, the documentation that we exposed and translated from the, from the conquest of Peru that states... Um, that, that, that describes in great detail the discovery of giants, the, the, the mummified bodies of giants, the skeletal remains of massive giants in Peru by the conquistadors and by the chroniclers. Um, and then you go to our next film and all the evidence that we, that we put forward in the unholy sea concerning the cover-up uh, of not only giants, but also this vast underground world, the Shinkana beneath the, uh, beneath the Andes. And, and we, actually, it's a, it's a global phenomenon, this underground world. And, and all the information that we brought forth in the Unholy Sea, and of course, we were talking about the pre-flood world and the megaliths, and, and, and then we lead up to this film, Episode 3, Holocaust of Giants, which now we're dealing with giants in the context of the, of the post-flood world and the Canaanites. We are literally tracing this thread um, through history from the pre-flood world to the post-flood world, showing you the cover-up, um, the vastness of the cover-up, the complexity of the cover-up, not only involving the Catholic Church, but also the Smithsonian and, and, and the governments of particular nations. Um, listen, by the way, while it's on my mind, I was recently uh, talking with uh, a friend of mine, a, a famous guy, um, and an explorer, well-known explorer, and we were talking about the 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 proof uh, that has come out through scientific investigations of the kinds of things that we've been positing in our films, such as the existence of beneath Sacsayhuaman and beneath uh, Sacsayhuaman in Cusco and beneath um, Tiwanaku in Bolivia, the existence of not only underground tunnels, but underground cities, underground citadels, and the fact that these things are known that these things are have been known for a while, and that there is, in fact, a deliberate, uh, which this audience is well aware at this point, there is, in fact, a deliberate, a concerted effort to keep these things concealed and hidden. It's, it's, it's this massive amount of history that's been 
that it, it's like trying to hold down uh, an inflated ball. And, and the ball's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's pushing up with more and more force and more pressure. Eventually, that thing's going to come flying out of the water. And we're at the tip of the spear, um, uh, really inflating that ball, because it's, it's only a matter of time. We have the technology, as I said before, uh, all over the earth. Everybody's got the, their uh, um, video capacity on their phones and, of course, to take pictures, uh, instantly uploading them to the Internet. And then we're pushing all of this information to the mainstream to such an extent that, again, representatives from some of these channels, Discovery, History, uh, uh, A&E, a bunch of the big channels uh, on, on television, the Travel Channel, are coming to us very interested in what we're doing, what we're talking about, um, because we are at the tip of the spear, and I think they realize that it's inevitable. It is inevitable that at some point in the near future, uh, the 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 facade is going to collapse. And the and and what I believe is happening is that uh, they know, and when I say they, whoever you want to label them as, the priests of power operating behind the scene, the Luciferian elite, they know that that's the fact, and they're that 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 is indeed a fact, and they're they're conspiring. They're they want to control the message, not so much to cover it up anymore, but it's now it's about we have to control this narrative, and we have to we have to get ahead of it, and we have to control it. And and what's happened, and what we've seen is programs like uh, Ancient Aliens that uh, you know rises to the surface and becomes extremely popular uh, very quickly because there's a hunger. People know that they've been lied to. The, the, it doesn't make sense that the Inca built the walls of Sacsayhuaman but left no records about it whatsoever and forgot how to do it. It doesn't make any sense. And because we're in the information age and you can pull up Sacsayhuaman on the Internet and, and take a look at detailed pictures and, and videos and all kinds of things and people just aren't buying it. So, they, so out comes ancient aliens and everybody latches onto that for a while, but it seems that uh, they're realizing that the, the, the explanations or lack of explanations that are coming from programs like a Ancient Aliens are leaving them with more questions. And so here we come, Gen 6 Productions, and we're bringing biblical answers, the right answers to those questions. Not just, I'm not saying it's an alien, but it's an alien kind of stuff. We're bringing the pieces that are the true, not just, not just uh, evangelical Christian pieces of the puzzle. These are the true and accurate pieces of history that we're putting into place. We're correcting the record, and not only in terms of giants, but in terms of the pre-flood world, in terms of a question, for example, that lingered in the mind of John Wesley Powell, which we feature in our film with Tom Horn, A Holocaust of Giants, concerning the migration of the giants, because uh, watch our film and you'll find this out, or if you've done uh, um, investigation into the Smithsonian cover-up, you'll find out yourself very quickly that the Smithsonian Institution, the leaders of the Smithsonian Institution, it wasn't a question to them. It wasn't a question of, did giants exist? That wasn't a question. That wasn't in their minds. Uh, wait a minute. Is it true that giants exist? That was not the issue because we have Tom Horn documents in our film, the instances in, the instances in which the Smithsonian institution documents in their own documents uh, d um, demonstrates that they were recovering the bones of giants skulls that were big enough to fit over a man's head like a helmet I think so, things of this nature that are recorded in detail and still exist to this day in the archives of the Smithsonian Institution these are their records so the question wasn't do giants exist the question was where did they come from what 
is their origin? And I believe we answer that question definitively in the film. And it's and, and we and we and we we don't just answer it in the general sense and say, well, they came from the fallen angels, they come from the pre-flood world. That's true, but we go into much more detail. We tell you who they are. We make the connection uh, that a lot of people. I, I think that a lot of people have been missing. Even a lot of good researchers, I think, have been. We were missing it. It had to come and you know, it took us to go to Sardinia and do the, do the uh, exploration and the and the uh, expedition actually, in Sardinia, putting the pieces together, and suddenly it clicked that what we're dealing with here is um, we're dealing with the knowledge of the Watchers and the offspring of the Watchers being cradled in one particular uh, culture, and that was the Canaanites, which then became, of course, the famous Phoenicians. And it was the Phoenicians who propagated, who carried the seed of the Rephaim across the earth and propagated the race of the Rephaim all over the globe. And we're talking about that red-headed race of giants and the blonde-headed race of giants and the other races of giants that came from the land of Canaan. And who were the Phoenicians? The Phoenicians were, uh, if you want to know, if you want your mind blown about the Phoenicians, I suggest you read uh, David uh, Flynn's book, Sidonia. And I believe you can get it from stevequail.com, David Flynn's book, Sidonia. Fascinating read, one of the best books I've ever read. He absolutely decodes the Phoenicians in that book. And we pick up from there, and we show you, I believe we trace the migration of the giants, what happened, where were they coming from, and how were they getting all over the earth. And the Phoenicians were known for a couple of things. The Phoenicians were known for... One said, well, let's talk about the things that the Phoenicians were known for, uh, publicly admitted that they were known for, and, th and then we'll talk about something that they, they're never admitted to be known for, which they were in the ancient world. First of all, everybody knows that the Phoenicians were known a as the Great Masons. They were the Great Masons of the ancient world. That's where we get, and we're talking in a post-flood context, by the way. That's where the, the Masonic, the, the Freemasons come from, the Masonic order. Uh, comes from the Phoenicians. Uh, remember, who did Solomon employ to build his to build the temple uh, to, to the great craftsmen? They were coming from Sidon and Tyre. These were Phoenician cities. These are where the Canaanites went to. These are where, in in many cases, the Rephaim were still existent among the Phoenicians. In fact, the the, the Phoenicians were known, by the way, as the great seafarers of the time. They were unsurpassed and their ability to navigate the seas. And there's a reason for that. The reason why the Phoenicians were such great builders and were such great seafarers is because they were preserving the knowledge of the watchers, some of the knowledge of the watchers that had been preserved from the world before the flood of Noah, and they were preserving the seed of the watchers and the Rephaim races that were still uh, existing among them. And that is the part of the story of the Phoenicians that is hidden. Because if you go back, I, I challenge you to find um, of frescoes of the Phoenicians. There are very few. And if you dig and you look and you find ancient depictions of the Phoenicians as we have, um, you're going to discover that some of those, in fact, many of them are depicting giants among the Phoenicians. That there is the, the Phoenicians in their boats and there's the regular size guy and then there's the giants that are among them. The Phoenicians were literally seeding the race of Rephaim all over the earth. But we believe that ground zero for the Canaanite giants, the Rephaim, uh, possibly before the invasion of Joshua into the Promised Land, but definitely after, was Sardinia. 
And that's why on this one island there are over 30,000 megalithic towers and hundreds of tombs that are to this day called the tombs of the giants. There was a, it was sort of a redoubt of the Rephaim of the, on the island of, Sidi, of Sardinia, a convergence of the Canaanites, the Phoenicians, the Rephaim, and then a, um, a migration from the uh, island of Sardinia all over the earth. Said a whole lot Doug, do you want to respond? I, I no, don't know how close we are to the uh, yeah, break. We're, we're about uh, two minutes out, Steve, but I'll, I'll t- and, and Tim, and I'll tell you something. This is, well, this is a good time, uh, if you don't mind, uh, Tim, if you don't mind no. telling people uh, how to uh, how to get access to the, the video as well as the DVD. Tim, I'm going to kick it sure. to you, and then, then we'll go to break. Sure. The, you can go to truelegendstheseries.com. There you'll find all the different uh, versions of the film. We have a DVD out. We have a, a Blu-ray, and we have unlimited streaming, just like we did for the Unholy Sea. Uh, we have all three versions available right now. Uh, the DVD and the Blu-ray are going to be shipping somewhere around the 15th of this month, and uh, we're going to rush deliver those to everybody. And um, a lot of people have already ordered this film. We're getting tons of hits on, uh, on Vimeo, and, and, and frankly, we're getting rave reviews on this film. So it really is an exciting film, and... It, it, it represents, I mean, this film is the culmination of an unbelievable amount of work, and uh, we put a lot into this film. Uh, we put a lot of money into this film. We put a lot of time into this film. We were in the desert southwest, Steve and I, Tom Horn, and there's all kinds of, and listen, this is not just rehashing the, the old Nephilimery. Uh, this is new, groundbreaking information coming not only from Gen 6 Productions, but also coming from Skywatch TV, from Tom Horn. It's a convergence of, of our efforts with what Tom has been doing and studying. The pieces are falling into place, and we really push the narrative forward, I think, in a way that uh, we haven't seen yet um, prior to Holocaust of Giants. Excellent. Again, true legends theseries.com. Folks, we're talking with Timothy Alvarino and Steve Quayle uh, from stevequayle.com. Uh, we're just getting started. They're going to be with us in through the next hour, so don't go anywhere. We're talking about a number of things, and all this is very interesting. Um, when you when you think about, you know, uh, as Tim said and as Steve said, you know, the, the constant hiding and covering up of the evidence, the physical evidence that, that we know exists and that is told in countless stories all across the world, not even just this country, uh, just shows you, you know, the the way history continues to be rewritten to fit their narrative. We're going to dive right into this when we come back with Tim Alberino and Steve Quayle. Don't go anywhere. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator 
to its creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Very blessed to have uh, two two marvelous people, Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com and Timothy Alberino. Visit truelegendsoftheseries.com. Links in our program description for this amazing documentary, documentary episode three. Um, folks, you're not going to find anything better. Holocaust of Giants. You're not going to find any work of this type done better than than they have done this and of course episodes one and two are also available you've got to you've got to visit this and you've got you will never look at history the same way again um dvds forthcoming blu-ray and uh, regular dvds are forthcoming porcelain's broadcast brought to you by tradingpostinthewoods.com that's tradingpostinthewoods.com you know the trading post in the woods is a fantastic company and you know we talk about problems but how many of you have the solutions well they have some solutions for you for example let's say your pharmacies just go let's say you can't get to a pharmacy or you need some some you need something to uh you need some homeopathic uh or natural remedies trading posts on the woods.com they've got them in fact they created a special package just for listeners of the hagman and hagman report get their american 
Heritage Remedies Kit Deluxe Package. There at a special price for listeners of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We have used this. It is fantastic. And let me tell you something. It's um, whether you've got a, a stuffed up nose, sore throat, or whatever. This is an alternative. Now, pay attention to the disclaimer on the website, of course. Uh, the fact is, law requires that we state that natural remedy treatments are aimed at strengthening constitution and vitality and are not medical treatments. So, just, uh, just saying. But tradingpostinthewoods.com, tradingpostinthewoods.com, one more time, tradingpostinthewoods.com, built on decades of experience, first responders, crisis situations they know what they're talking about trading post in the woods.com steve thanks for holding through and, and tim as well and to kick it back to you steve well i think what's interesting the more we dig into these events it's the time seal of god that's being broken even when god obviously spoke to the prophet daniel telling you know the, the, the seal up daniel you know the revelation for the vision is yet for an appointed time I think what's interesting is watching time play out before our eyes. Let me give you an example. The moving towards robotics with artificial intelligence, the ultimate replacement of human beings, you know, I, I, I don't think that, Doug, one in, and I, maybe I'm being generous here, I don't think one in 10,000 uh, evangelicals or professors of followers of Jesus Christ would even understand what AI means, not, the, not so much that it's artificial intelligence, but what it means to their existence. I want to put this into context. Genesis three thirteen through uh, fifteen, and the Lord God said to the woman, "What is this that thou hast done?" And the woman said, "The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat." By the way, I've never been able to find in anywhere, and and as a student of this stuff, and trust me, I've been in places when I say in studies, I wish I hadn't have gone to in the past. But anyway, there's no indication that the serpent had sex with Eve. I'm telling you point blank. Now, with Eve's descendants, the daughters of Eve, I think every fallen angel said for a good time, show up and the daughters of Eve are hot. But Eve herself, okay, I'm talking about the daughters of Eve. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now, here's what God says, and I put the word there, God will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Well, again, the idea in this whole statement that I'm making at this point is, is that when you understand the central theme that even robotics in 400 B.C., robots, okay, robots, a talos, T-A-L-O-S, some people pronounce it talos, some people pronounce it talos, but the point being is that, that was a giant, and sometimes, by the way, he's pictured standing with the wings behind him, just like angel wings, and he's straddling uh, two mountain peaks, or what may be two hills. Well, talos was a, an automaton who legend believes was formed by Hephaestus, and some people say it was Daedalus. Uh, obviously, I remember Daedalus from one of the cartoon shows in the uh, early 60s, but the point I guess I'm trying to make is this, is that he was known as a robotic giant who had a life force in him, okay? And it was like a solution. By the way, Tim, uh, Sardinians did not want to release Talos to Minos, uh, and 
and and he basically, you know, he hung out with the Giants evidently on on the island of Sardinia. Now, the people say, oh, that's all mythology. I don't believe that, but it claims that I mean that it's just all mythology. I believe what it is is a oral and a written tradition and of real biological and in this case bronze men brought to brought to life by a life force and literally a solution that it, it said that he basically had a spike or a nail and I think his heel or above his heel and, and in order to kill him that somebody had to let if you will let the life juice out of him and that name has uh, there's a name for that stuff that, that he you know from empowered him. So what does this have to do with anything? Well, when you start talking about singularity and you start talking about men merging, excuse me, men merging with machines, you're talking about something that's 400 BC. So, you know, at, at uh, you know, whatever we are now, 2017, that's 2417 years ago that guess what? Robots existed, but also in an age of spiritual machines that Ray Kurzweil wrote about, you know, one of the questions I've been proposing for years when basically Kurzweil is his proposition is, is that when you get sentence, when you get uh, choice, when you get all of the things that make humans humans, these things, these automatons, these robots, these, uh, if you will, mechanized or, uh, um, oh, what's another word, uh, uh, oh, computerized entities will somehow take on a spirit. Well, I can share this with you, that demon possession, and people argue with this, you know, the reason natives hold on to idols is because there's a spiritual force to them. The reason that witch doctors and shamans and, and other uh, quote, uh, uh, healers in different parts of the world have items that are attributed, to, uh, those items they attribute to the spirits that speak through them and guide them. So, you know, what we're talking about tonight is really critical. I will say this, when, when I wrote the book, Genesis 6 Giants, Master Builders of uh, the Human not the human race, um, I even forget it because they changed the title. Um, you know, anyway, I, the proposal was uh, master builders of uh, prehistory and uh, all the monoliths, the megaliths, etc. That was really radical back then. And so we're talking tonight about these things that were left in history and covered up in history. And by the way, the number that we were told, and Tom Horn got this from someone who worked for the Smithsonian, is one 149 million artifacts, those that we didn't make this up, 149 million artifacts that are both historically out of context and scientifically out of context. You know, I'll make it easy. Giants and their technology, giants and their technology and their, if you will, progenitors, fallen angels and their technology. I'd encourage everybody to just go on Wikipedia and look up Talos, T-A-L-O-S, because it'll give them more background. Somebody said, well, you're just telling people to go here and they should be reading the scripture. You search the things of scripture so when you understand the knowledge that's been hidden, that's been... Uh, time locked and God's unlocking that time. If he says his people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, one only has to survey the contemporary political scene in America to see the destruction of God's people. They absolutely have become irrelevant, not on a not on an individual believer's basis, but unless you know, unless we uh, uh, come together in the power of the Holy Spirit, you can want unity, you can fight for it, you can stress it, but unless God gives unity, there'll never be unity. 
you know, people listening to us, they'll listen to us because, you know, they have nothing better to do. And, uh, you know, they'll take what we say and then they'll go out and slam what we say. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to start growing up and taking what you're learning to the Lord and say, Lord, is this true? What we're warning people about is what's going to come against them to destroy them. And again, it goes back to the statement Jesus said, if if he didn't shorten the days for our sake, the elect's sake, those who put their trust in him, who have asked him to forgive their sins, there'd be no flesh left alive. Well, the idea is when Tim is over in Sardinia or in uh, Peru, Bolivia, the Altiplano, when when all these people around the world are saying the same thing, you cannot deny it on the basis of evidence. Now, I understand what truth is in America. Number one, it doesn't exist. Truth in America is this. One man lies, another man says amen, the mainstream media press says, oh, we agree with those guys, and the judges say, hallelujah. You know, it's all a lie. Jesus said the whole world lies an evil one. So what we're trying to do, and I believe we've done it, in the and in, in, in not only, uh, you know, our, our newest DVDs, uh, <laughs> episode, there you go. By the way, I, mean to, I don't mean to sound scatterbrained, but I've been in the air, uh, photographing, you know, uh, 10 hours yesterday, uh, 7 hours today, you know, from 5.30 in the morning, and I'm, I'm, you're going to see something, ladies and gentlemen, at uh, the Branson uh, conference we're having that's going to be presented no place else until the people at Branson see it. There's, there's so much we want to say. There's so much we could say. There's so much it's dangerous to say. And look, this is a melodrama. You know, somebody says, uh, boy, it must be interesting to be you. I said, I wouldn't wish it on anybody else. Or when Tim's family's being drug out in the night because, you know, they're, they're being asphyxiated. I don't think people get the, uh, 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 grasp. Oh, you're a private investigator. I think, you know, uh, I don't think people get it. I, you know, you, you've, like, investigated bloodstain evidence and everything else. But in the evidence that we're presenting, it's voluminous. It's multiples of witnesses. It's not interpretation. You can't claim that you believe the church fathers and then go off on Eusebius because he says, yeah, basically King Og, who is also Kronos, is in suspended animation in the British Isles. Well, you know, the deal is, is that people want it their way. And never have the people's way been God's way. Never, ever, ever. So I guess what we're saying right now is we're, we're trying to bring to you the revelation. By the way, I'll say this, if, and we're not going to title the number for this, but it's going to be way beyond bones, okay? And that isn't bait. I'm just saying this. God has impressed upon Tim. God's impressed upon me. Those of you who have been involved with us, prayed for us, uh, uh, you know, know that, that there's something going on, you know, that God is using the vehicle that, and the people that he's raised up. Look. We're just sinners, man. We're saved by grace. And the deal is, is that, but we have a calling in the Lord Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, Tim and I answered our calling. You know what everybody else, everybody else is doing, Doug? They're getting wrong numbers. Yep, but they want to tell us our phones don't ring in their, uh, what, phone bank, okay? The, the idea is simply this. The information we're dealing with is cutting-edge information. The information we've uh, discovered is beyond anything. And, for instance, when Tim was in Peru, and let's talk about Tim, why don't you take up Kipu, David Flynn, and that, because they just are announcing now they're starting to get a greater understanding of Kipu, uh, Q-U, what, Q-U-P, 
P-U-I-S, you know, Q-U-I-P-U-I-S, whatever. Uh, it's, it's the threads that the Incan used, you know, like basically different threads of different colors, and they had a language in advanced mathematics. So, you know, Doug, maybe our tapestry at the beginning is a closer definition of what we're doing, that, you know, God is unraveling the knots and bringing clear threads of understanding to the people listening to this program. And ladies and gentlemen, you've got to absolutely, if those of you who live worldwide, go on Vimeo and, you know, stream the video. You get it almost, you get it instantly. You don't have to pay the exorbitant uh, charges of shipping. And again, that may sound like I'm working against myself, but we want the information into the hands of those who can basically get it immediately. Because, again, Tim, I, I, I knew it was like, you know, in the, in the 80s. I just knew it was over 80. I didn't know it was 105. But there are hungry people, Doug. I hear from them day in, day out. So, Tim, if you would explain, Kipu, why this is important, obviously the situation with uh, David Flynn's work, just what, remind the people of what we're on to and how it relates to what we're doing right now. Well, Kipu is a, was the system of communi- written, the only... Uh, encoded form of communication that the that the Inca used. It was a system of knots and different colored strings um, that were fashioned in certain arrangements to to convey different kinds of information and and very complex information. And it was a f- couple years ago that we realized, uh, having reviewed some of David Flynn's work again, consider concerning the. Uh, the geoglyphs of Tiwanaku, and if you're not uh, familiar with that, I encourage you to get our uh, Technology of the Fallen episode, one of the True Legend series. We talk about it in that film, and we show you what it is in that film, um, because all over the Altiplano and all over Bolivia, the plains of Bolivia, and um, or especially around the, the Tiwanaku region, there are um, there are kipu like like patterns, kipu like configurations that are carved into the earth and and they consist of raised mounds. Some of them are, are ditches, and it's it's different uh, earthworks, um, vast, very enormous, uh, extensive earthworks in in Bolivia, all over Bolivia, uh, that were artificially created. And when you take a look um, in Google Maps and you 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 hover over the region of of Bolivia, the northern region of Bolivia, um, and around the t- around the uh, Lake Titicaca region. You get a sense for exactly how vast these geoglyphs truly are, and it's it's a lot of people said, oh, those are just uh, those were just um, irrigation earthworks that were were built by uh, by uh, pre-Columbians, uh, but that's obviously not the case once you see how vast, how extensive these things are. And then, uh, as Steve said, uh, recently they've they've begun to make the first steps, to take the first steps to decode Kipus, which has been uh, mis- mysterious. It's been a mystery for a very long time. Nobody has been able to uh, to decode Kipus, and they're finally beginning to understand, um, at least uh, having the, the rudimentary understanding of the basics of the configurations of, Kup- of Kipus, the, the, the various configurations of Kipus. So... Just go online, type in Kipus, you'll see what we're talking about in terms of the, the way that the Inca devised it, and look up the geoglyphs of Tiwanaku or get our film, uh, True Legends, Technology of the Fallen, to, to, to get a more in-depth view uh, and a more comprehensive explanation of what Kipus is. Consequently, 
Um, right after we released our film, The Unholy Sea, last year, in last, last June, uh, NASA came out with a photo. Many of you have seen the analysis I did uh, concerning this, which they were calling it at the time uh, Mars Code on Mars. And the photo showed a very strange artificial type, um, what, what was seemingly artificial configuration of lines and dots on the surface of Mars. And it was I extremely analogous to, to the geoglyphs of Tiwanaku. And um, I know that uh, um, if you read Flynn's work, you'll find that uh, he makes direct correlations between Tiwanaku and Mars. And by the way, the Canaanites and Mars as well. So uh, there's something very interesting going on. I've been saying for a while now that I believe that we are in a process of soft disclosure, a disclosure not only concerning Giants and the bones of giants and the and these uh, the, the forbidden history that uh, they can no longer cover up because of technology because of information technology, but also information a, a soft disclosure concerning concerning Mars concerning uh, uh, extraterrestrial life and this sort of thing which is featured in the news almost on a daily basis. I mean, if you're tracking with Fox News or CNN or whatever, you visit their websites. Uh, you're going to find, I would say, at least every other day now, some kind of an article concerning Mars, concerning the moon, concerning Jupiter, some new discovery. And um, I believe this is intentional because, as I said earlier, I don't think at this point in time, I think they're switching the uh, methodology, is now switching from a cover-up to a control uh, of the messaging, controlling the way that the information comes out because they can't cover it up, but at least they can funnel it through certain... Um, through certain channels, but also control the messaging uh, in a very much uh, Goebbels-type propagandai uh, propaganda way. Um, but as it relates to giants, as it relates to extraterrestrials, as it relates to ancient technology and these sort of forbidden historical uh, issues. By the way, uh, I encourage everybody, if you haven't seen the film Holocaust of Giants, I encourage you to go to uh, Gen 6 Productions, the YouTube channel, and watch our trailer. We just put the trailer up a few days ago. Um, I, it's, it's, a, it's over four minutes long, um, and if you're, if you're on the fence about seeing the film, uh, I encourage you again, go watch the trailer. It's, 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 it's up now. It's got thousands and thousands of views. And uh, you'll you'll really get a sense for what's in the film. Much more. I mean, the, the, it's a two-hour-long film. The Unholy Sea was two and a half, packed with content. This one's two. I think it's even packed with more content that the Unholy Sea had uh, contained. But it, but in a shorter film, two hours. And uh, there's just so much content in this film that I mean, we we could talk for hours and hours and hours and still not cover everything that we talk about in this film. That's sort of been our trademark: is we don't just deal with one or two or three subjects. We take ten different things and squeeze them together in one film, and try and put them into a a, a uh, try and put them into uh, an order and make sense of these different things and thread that. Uh, uh, and take in the different um, themes that we have and thread them through the film and then uh, so that by the end of the film you can see all of these di disparate pieces and parts uh, coming together and I think we've done that, uh, I know we've done that in the Holocaust of Giants it, to an even greater extent than we did in the Unholy Sea so go see the trailer if you haven't seen it at uh, Gen 6 Productions it's also on Steve Quayle's YouTube channel and 
Um, check the trailer out. I don't know, Doug, if uh, I know some people have uh, questions. I'm seeing a lot of questions popping up on the board there concerning the Canaanites and concerning um, uh, the film. Um, and I can, if yeah. you want to, I we can field some of those questions. Yeah, you know, folks, it would, might be good. Um, if you do have questions for Mr. Alberino and Mr. Quayle, uh, studio at Hagman and Hagman.com. Studio at Hagman and Hagman.com. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to get them here in the studio and we will begin an- answering those qu- or submitting those questions as we get them. Again, studio at Hagman and Hagman.com. And I also want to say to the trailer, the, the link to the trailer or the trailer itself, but, but it, it is, is off of HagmanReport.com. You can click on it and it'll take you right to, uh, uh, uh the trailer. Uh, that's being discussed. In the meantime, I just, I, I, it's amazing to me, and I just want to reiterate this, uh, of the, um, uh, of the context that we're seeing this today. One question here that just came in, uh, Tim or Steve. The face on Mars and the research done by others, including but not limited to Richard Hoagland. Whoever wants to take this, Steve, I'm going to give it to you. Um, any comments on that, Steve? Well, sure, and let me share this. I'm 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 bringing out uh, Cydonia, the Secret Chronicle of Mars, a tribute edition to David Flynn. I've written, uh, yeah, I don't know, like a sixty-page uh, uh, paragraph, um, not paragraph, a uh, now, what do we call it? A, a prelude. Again, I'm sorry for being tired tonight, Doug. Uh, a prelude to David's original work with it, with the introduction of all the information that's coming forth on Mars. I want to rem- I want to remind everybody that. David Flynn was a certifiable genius. I've seen guys who are little leaguers try and dispute, debunk him, but they can't do it. And it's not that I'm I'm sticking up for my friend who's already gone to be with the Lord. I do that anyway. But I was fortunate enough to be one of the only guys that got to spend a lot of time with him one-on-one. He lived in Helen. I live in Bozeman. I go there. He'd come here. But we talk all the time. And the one thing that people miss, Cairo, Egypt, the word Cairo, go look it up. Some people say it means the city of Mars. Some people say it means the camp of Mars. Some people mean uh, say that its real meaning is this, the encampment of Mars. Now, you've got the interesting parallels between the surface of Mars and obviously the surface of the Earth. You have the more interesting parallels of their orbital uh, velocities, their axial shift. All this stuff is not just coincidence. So the Mars theme, meme, and headlines are now increasing along with Antarctica. The reason I brought up Yellowstone Park, uh, you know, is that if you if you understand the thermophile bacteria, in other words, bacteria that live at only a very exclusive temperature extreme, and you understand they're now claiming that Lake Vostok beneath the ice sheet has, what, 7,500 new species? But then they talk about what happens if Earth was seeded with life from Mars in a, in a comet or an asteroid. So what what is critical for people to understand is that what Tim is talking about, almost like a, a, a I would call it a graduated or a gradual 
bringing people to the truth doesn't it should make everyone upset how many times you heard there's no life in the universe there's no uh you know mars uh, you know it's a dead planet blah 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 and then then they they change their story in tune to fit the latest science fiction release i'll give you an example prometheus okay well you know you've got this guy that's self uh, uh you know alien comes to earth basically takes himself throws himself into the water this is the abbreviated version and out of that seeds the human race well this idea of seeding the human race is called panspermia and that whole thing is coming into more being. You know, you are the aliens. Now, I will say this, that never have I seen someone's work more ripped off than David's, Bob Flynn, because, again, Mars has everything to do with us, and we have everything to do with Mars, okay? And uh, you, this is something that the ancients understood. When we were in the desert southwest, let me just share this. The new book that Tom Horn and I wrote, co-wrote, and then released together, Unearthing the Lost world of the cloud eaters, compelling evidence of the incursion of giants, their extraordinary technology and imminent return is is so critical to understanding. Look, it, when we're in and I won't give anything away, Tim, that, you know, because, again, I want to I keep everything, you know, uh, that I'm privy to in the context of honoring what you're told. But I will tell you this, in the last week, Tim was given information that's absolutely identical from another part of the world to what we were dealing with in the Native American elders in the desert southwest. Absolutely identical. Absolutely concerning the lost civilizations, concerning the giants, concerning origins, concerning stargates. So here, here's what, you know, most and by the way, this isn't by people who sit around and read uh, graphic novels, play video games, and obviously listen to us, okay? So we're, we're at a point now, Doug, where it's important for people to understand. Uh, when God gives a man revelation, he doesn't force us to accept it. He says, choose ye this day. Well, when I make a statement like God's given us free choice, I get more emails trying to fight against that statement than people that should exercise it to maybe understand, you know, search the scriptures and see if these things be so. I want people to understand this. The new DVD, along with the book, okay, the book is available immediately. Uh, it's, I think people are, are kind of confused on it. They can get it from me. Go on my website, stevequail.com, unearthing the lost world of the cloud eaters. Uh, and they can download the Vimeo, or not download, I'm sorry, Tim. I get that word mixed up. They can stream, live stream. Now, also want to share something. Sometimes people have settings on their computers. When we upload to Vimeo, any Vimeo, Vimeo issues, you got to deal with their customer service. They're one of the best, uh, I would say, this customer-based service servicing uh, companies in the world. We can't do anything if your credit card is, you know, being rejected. We don't have any control over it. But Vimeo's customer service be defined, and I've watched things be resolved within 48 hours. And you know, again, uh, we have probably one issue with every. Uh, no kidding, one issue with every five to 800 uh, uh, stream views, you know? So it's not like it's happening all the time. And then there are cases where they've got a debit card or their card is is out of out of uh, credit. You know, I mean, all these issues, we can't do anything about that. But again, I'm appealing to our worldwide audience, 
please go on Vimeo and please stream it. You've got to see it. And by the time, you can watch it as many times as you want, but you don't have to wait for posting. By the way, Doug, I'll share this with you. Germany now, not in all cases, but seems to be censoring my books going into Germany. The last couple orders we've sent over there, you know, the Steve Quayle collection or whatever, they come back refused. And not not by the uh, orderer or the intended recipient, but some, you know, some official-looking thing. So, you know, again, I guess, you know, some people say a man is better known by his enemies than by his friends. Well, I've made the mistakes of having friends who turned out to be my enemies. But the point is, is that we all are seeing an acceleration of knowledge. But what we do with that knowledge is we better start applying it to our lives, okay? Because, again, we are dealing daily. I have pleas for help. And by the way, you know, if anybody's having issues with demons, go on YouTube. Look at Derek Prince. YouTube's on breaking family curses. Uh, if people understood the blood guilt that's in some people's bloodlines, I mean, you know, when you're a third or fourth generation or a seventh son or whatever you are or a satanic ritual abuse, there are people that have ministries in that area like, uh, uh, oh, good night, Russ, uh, Russ Dizdar and uh, Doug Riggs and others who are out there to help and they know what they're doing. But I'm telling you, Doug, I've never seen in my life so many people crying out for help in being set free from evil spirits. Now, these aren't people who are involved in sin. These are people that have stuff, you know, showing up in their bedrooms at night and stuff or pressing on their chest. They can't breathe. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I, I can't I can't physically call everybody and help you. I, that's not my ministry. I can tell you where to go and to start. If you're suffering from, I don't know I'm going here, but this is important. If you're suffering from demonic harassment, if you're suffering from absolutely, you know there are evil spirits around you and in you, then go and go online, put in your town or whatever, and put in uh, uh, Bible-believing or deliverance-practicing fellowships, deliverance, D-E-L-I-V-D-R-A-N-C-E. And, and you'll find, you know, and pray and say, Lord, lead me to the right people. And if you don't know the Lord, say, God, I don't know you, but could you lead me to somebody so that I might know you? I'll tell you what, God has an open ear and open heart to honest sinners. He just has a real hard time with religious fraud. Oh, amen to that. Thank you, Steve, for that. God bless you for saying that. Well, listen, Uh, here's again the deal. In the unearthing the lost world of cloud eaters, it's not just about the desert southwest. I'm dealing with what people just go, they've got to have answers, okay? We talk about pre flood civilizations. I'm dealing also with the whole war, of course. Genesis 1, 1, and 1, 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, you know, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. A lot of people can't handle that. And so they try and fit everything into 6,000 years. I have no issue. I believe Adam and Eve were literally 6,000 years ago. But they were something unique. And they were so unique and, and, and just totally unique that they were, God said, let us make them in our image and likeness. And so that's something that in that statement is the fighting words of hell. Because that's something that Satan, in all of his pomp, all of his uh, pride, and all of his splendor, could not stand. 
he could not embrace the fact that the God he had been, you know, in his presence leading worship, Ezekiel 28, would make a, a if you will, a creation that was in his likeness and image. And, you know, it's real simple. God made us out of the dust of the earth and blew into us the breath of life. It in the scripture says he maketh his angels ministering, uh, he maketh his ministering angels, what, flames of fire? Or ministering flames of fire. And so it's like he took them out of the fire, and I don't know, you know, maybe the fire on God's own eternal altar. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I'm only suggesting something. But whatever God did when he created us, and that it was enough for God to send Jesus, his son, to die in our place, and and literally the Lamb of God, to to take away the sin of the world, that tells me you don't, and and God, look, if you put God into the ultimate uh, uh, investor, he doesn't invest best is some of his love in something that isn't worth investing in. Very well Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes you know, sense. and if you understand you are fearfully and wonderfully made, if you think you're a pile of you know what, then go read the 139th Psalm. Because sometimes when, you know, the the, the, the nail biters, the, the back biters, the, uh, uh, you know, the cannibals, the walking cannibals, uh, and by the way, some cannibals killed you while you're dead, or ate you while you're dead. Now, in, in, in uh, uh, i got to come up with a word for basically believables or uh, cannibals that are claimed believers that, you know, they just want to devour you while you stand on your feet. You know, and Paul talks about that by the word. You know, devouring one one another, backbiters. You know, the thing is, when you devour one another, guess what? There is nothing good that can come out of it. So Satan is smart, incredibly intelligent. You cannot deal with the devil on his terms. Let me say that again. Amen. You cannot deal with the devil on his terms. You cannot overcome the devil on his terms. And you can't tell him to, you know, go, you know, jump off a cliff, you know. Uh, the idea is is that to as many as receive him, Jesus gave he, Jesus, to us, the power to become the sons of God. What we're doing in the DVD series, okay, the series is laying it out. We're showing you that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, we're showing you the greatest cover-up and cover-over in history, and the cover-over and cover-up in history. They don't put, the Vatican doesn't put uh, their, you know, $4 million spy choppers in the air over Tim and the crew when they're in the area of the country contemporary giant excavation. By the way, I got an email, Doug, a couple weeks ago, and the guy said he was at a Smithsonian dig in, I think, the Tampa Bay area. Uh, they were looking for something. He put a big tent over the dig. Now, listen, if I told you this, I want to reiterate it. And he went up to the guy who was obviously an archaeologist. He looked like an archaeologist. And, and he said, oh, you guys looking for giant bones? The guy threw his hammer down and said, there are no such things as giants and stormed off. Well, I guess the guy knew what he was looking for. Because if it was an open yeah. dig, they wouldn't have a tent over it. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that stands to reason. Uh, it's, it's, this is amazing, and, and we have reports here locally of uh, giant bones being found, bones of giants, that is to say, being found here locally in our town, in, in, in back in the 1800s. And it's amazing to see this all over the United States. Steve and Tim, we've got so many. I mean, well, I, we got so many questions, I don't think you guys will be able to answer them all. Uh, you you want to start talking? Let Tim answer them all. He's younger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, yeah, we have uh, uh, two, two questions, uh, one from Steve, one from Deborah. That are the same, only Deborah expands upon it. Um, in the first part of this question is, how did the giants return after the flood? Is that am I well, supposed I, to answer that? 
Yeah, uh, let me deal with that one, Jim. I'm sorry, and then I'll just say this okay, because they're not reading—they're not reading Genesis six. Okay, they don't know it. There were giants in those days, prior to the flood, and after those days. In other words, multiple incursions, both before the flood and after the flood. The scripture spells it out. That's an answer. You can't. You, I don't have to go further than that. They did it before, I, I, and they did it after. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. But but if the okay the the the, uh, the, the there actually there's a third question here. Um, if the flood was supposed was designed by God to wipe out the race of giants or the giants in the in, um, is and I don't want to be sacrilegious or, or sounding sacrilegious. Was that to say that um, God the the flood didn't work or you said a second incursion? Um, well, I'm, I'll make it easy there too. Go to Obadiah. Obadiah is a single chapter. Though you set your nest amongst the stars, yet will I bring me down. You're talking about heavenly beings with heavenly technology, advanced technology, and there are those that believe under they escaped underground. You know, look if you if you understand how a basic submarine works, it's not too tough to figure out that. Giant, by the way, giants are not like the Shrek. Okay, they're brilliant. They taught mankind. The fallen angels were their fathers, and just like a father father teaches his son the, the whatever the the trade or whatever he's learned like in the guild GYLD system the, that's what that the book of Enoch talks about that that's what caused the fallen angels to lament because they were going to see God tells them I'm going to wipe out your offspring we're talking about advanced civilization that had genetic manipulation prior prior to the flood of Noah and I'm saying this they, I'm talking about a civilization of angels prior to the creation of the original earth okay and so the thing is is that when I say the, the recreation of uh, Genesis 1 1 1 2 when God said go and replenish the earth God judged it so I mean they, they escaped Tim do you want to answer that too because you had contemporary information just don't you know give the source away well, I think that there's multiple contingencies, and I think uh, many of them can be true at the same time. I think uh, there are a few of them are especially uh, convincing to me. I think that there is evidence uh, and indication that's that I call it the exiles of Atlantis. I think that uh, there are there were exiles from the pre-flood world, whether they used technology to escape the Earth or to go under the Earth or whatever. I think that there were survivors, and we find this this uh, this narrative. We find this uh, kernel uh, in many different stories uh, in the ancient world, myths and, and legends, and even in contemporary times, um, we find it in uh, contemporary writings that uh, in the occult world and in the in the different uh, uh, some of the different fictions that were written as fictions, but that have um, that have nonfiction as their basis. Uh, the idea that there were exiles from an Atlantean-type world, a world that uh, was destroyed in the Great Flood. And, and, and yes, I was just uh, on a phone call with a good friend of mine uh, who has information, has, uh, he says he has evidence that uh, the, the, the escapees, the exiles from the world before the Flood of Noah, that some of them did survive and that they have been inhabiting the underworld, the, they've been inhabiting the uh, the underground world, the Shinkana under the Andes, for example, and furthermore that uh, some of the shaman, not your typical shaman that you'll see as a tourist walking through the streets of Cusco, but a, a secret order of shaman, the real serious guys, the guys that are having, the guys that are practicing intercourse with 
with uh, with demonic entities that they are indeed in contact with these entities, and 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 this isn't some kind of an ayahuasca hallucination that these guys are having, according to my contact. Uh, and he he was approached by a couple of these guys and shown evidence of the existence of these entities beneath the earth. These guys, these this secret order of shamans, are actually in physical contact with this race who I was explicitly told are not fully human and are survivors from the world that was destroyed. Uh, in other words, uh, the, the old world, the empire of the gods, I call it, the, the pre-flood world. So I think there's multiple contingencies. Uh, I don't think it's uh, it's necessarily that one of the contingencies is true and the rest are false. I think there's a few possibilities, and they could all be true simultaneously. So, um, But I'm convinced that there were indeed what I call exiles of Atlantis, exiles from the pre-flood world one way or another. Okay. Uh, we have a question here from Karen R. She has asked Tim if, if they have ever heard that the base of the walls of Jericho are Cyclopean, built by sound by the giants, and this is why God used sound to bring down the walls. Is you know, what's funny is I, I did hear that. I heard that on a Hagman and Hagman program with Steve Quayle and Tom Horn. There you go. <laughs> and, there you uh, go. And it was new. To, it was new to me. And Steve and Tom were discussing that, and it and it really made sense to me. And having gone around the world and looking at the megaliths and and uh, coming to the realization that there was very likely sound involved in their construction, sonic levitation or something of this nature, I think it makes perfect sense that the walls of Jericho, which were very likely built by the Rephaim, uh, were dismantled. Uh, via the sound uh, of the trumpet blast, so I think uh, I think that there's a very strong indication there that that may in fact be true. Okay, um, moving on here, uh, a question from Deborah: um, How could the giants mate with human beings based on the huge size difference between them? Yeah, I want to answer that because I, the first book I ever wrote was uh, on the subject of aliens and fallen angels, sexual corruption of the human race. This is kind of my long-standing issue with a lot of people that use wrong words. Now, I understand the word Nephilim is translated twice, once before the flood, giants. is translated as giants, and once after the flood, okay? It's obviously a word that everything's a Nephilim. That's not the case. Fallen angels can take on themselves the form, the shape, and the size of whatever they want. There are cases where giants literally try to... Uh, Penetrate and actually in South America in the area of the cloud forest, you know, with literal, literal chronicles of heavenly angels with flaming swords slaying the giants because the cry went out because the women were being split open. You might like to know too that the, uh, if you will, the origin of uh, cesarean birth and the cutting the baby out of the woman's womb was uh, uh, basically a fallen angel practice because the fallen angels, well, they can size themselves accordingly. They have a life force, if you will, different from human beings. And here's the same thing I want to make everybody understand. True giants have a, a preternatural life force. They don't just have human DNA. They have a hybrid DNA. That's why their brain waves and their brain power is so great that people, eyewitnesses, both in the military and, and famous scientists, uh, you know, have, have stated and, and researchers that they're not allowed to go beyond a certain thing. So this is why David cut Goliath's head off. 
This is why the gentleman that I believe, Doug, did we have him on? No, I had, I talked to him. He didn't want to go on the air because he didn't want his voice recognized. But L.A. Marzulli put me in contact with one of the shooters that was trained to go to the giant caves in Afghanistan. And again, uh, Kandahar giant and the Bagram giant, two different, two different giants. But they were sh- uh, told to shoot a certain height and to use 40 millimeter, 40, what they call what, 40 millimeter grenades, you know, uh, and and take the head off. And the guy said, well, he said, well, sir, isn't that overkill? And he got the typical military response. We'll tell you what to do. You do it. Well, see, that syncs up and links up. That syncs up and links up with everything that I ever told anybody what I was told. How do I know that? I haven't killed a giant. But the point is, the guys who deal with them, and I used to have, uh, you know, be in a, a constant communication uh, with the guys that live in that world, and and the, the, they have to cut the head off. And by the way, even the myth of the Green Man, there was a movie with Sean Connery where the Green Man would challenge people to cut uh, his head off, and then he would, you know, issue the command and it would come back to him, and then if they didn't uh, win a uh, quest, then he would take their head off. And obviously, being a human, they could not uh, regenerate. So, what's interesting? Now, fast forward. DARPA, Defense Advanced Research Products uh, Projects Agency, Projects Agency, they're trying to figure out how to make, basically, bulletproof soldiers. How does a salamander grow its tail? You want to talk about stasis? You want to understand stasis, you've got to understand the animals that even go into hibernation. They go into a form of stasis. Every single science fiction movie where you're sending somebody to another planet that was done, you know, in a specific decade, everyone goes into chambers where they pump, you know, different juices and stuff into their veins or put them in like an aqueous solution or an artificial womb. Look, everything is in stasis. Now in the last week, the last week they're talking about viable DNA being again uh, uh, reinvigorated. You've got and you've got Dr. Frankenstein ready to put heads on other people and double-headed mice. Somebody said, "Well, do you believe there are double-headed rats?" I said, "Yeah." Have you ever seen uh, the typical conversation coming out of a politician in Washington, with a few exceptions? But the point is, the uh, the idea is that now all the genetic manipulation, all this, and by the way, there's nothing new under the sun. The Age of Spiritual Machines, written by Kurzweil. If you want an introduction to what these guys see the future as, you can then understand why the Deagle, D-E-A-G-L-E report, even is valid. You're watching, ladies and gentlemen. You're now a participant. You're not just sitting and watching as a Twilight Zone, you know, introduction. Excuse me, the Outer Limits introduction. But, you know, you're... you're being, if you will, controlled, herded, you know, everything you think, do, and say is in a program they launched today or yesterday. You remember, Doug, we talked about, the, you know, your TVs, people think they're watching TV and now they, they don't realize their TV's watching them. I got to tell you this, the uproar until Samsung said, Samsung, the makers of one of the biggest TV manufacturers in the world, said, anything you're doing in your bedroom, you better cover your television with a, with a what, a, a, oh, a sheet or something, you know? So the the ancient technology, the questions that are out there, how can they do this? I want to make two statements, and this is a long answer. Fallen angels can assume the size of anything they need to mate with, and I'll leave it at that. The reason why many of the women of Israel 
turned away from the God of Israel is because they went into the same thing the Roman women went into, Priapus. And I won't even go into great detail on that. But the Bible talks about the women chased after the Egyptian men because the Egyptian men were a proud flesh. In other words, they were, they were known for their manhood, but they were also known in their own literature and in their own myths and legends as a descendants of the gods. There's a reason why the Egyptian uh, uh, pharaohs always, uh, even when they did not have the giant uh, cone heads, always mimicked them by their, um, what do you call those things, uh, crowns or headpieces or like, you know, they, they were always mimicking in the fallen ones. They believed they were the descendants of the gods. So when you start putting all this stuff together, it really, really comes in. Plus, you know, we're talking about stuff now that's in the headlines. If, if I said to you, Doug Hagman, 20 years ago, would you believe that the headlines of the news would be one of the biggest uh, uh, raves now across the world is human cannibalism? And on the dark web, because it's all over uh, Drudge today about the dark web, and it's all over the Internet about you know people putting out you know, $100 million bounties on uh, President Trump. I mean, they have yeah. cannibal... They have cannibal restaurants by invitation only. So you can't, you've got to understand this. You may find it disgusting. We all do. You may find it revolting. We all do. But the point is there are people embracing it, and they no longer look at you as a meal ticket, in other words, supporting them financially. They're looking at you as a possible meal. And and, people say, you can't say stuff like that. Oh, yes, I can. Yes, I can, yeah. because again, you the human genome is being manipulated. Remember the story of baby parts and what is it, Seminex, the artificial flavors and stuff that oh, go yeah. into, you know, what, 250 foods? What do you think that does? When you eat human flesh, it changes your DNA, and it goes into the appetite center of your brain. The same part of your brain that gets you addicted to whatever you're addicted to, that's where that attacks. So guess what? You know, uh, you, you get hungry for that which you partake of. That's what we're being. I remember a multi-star general telling me that. He said, they're changing your DNA. And then he said this. He said, the real purpose of chemtrailing and geoengineering is to bring back the atmosphere and the uh, conditions that the giants and the fallen ones enjoyed before God judged them. Now, you won't hear that on your local TV station. Go ahead, Tim. Uh, t- Tim, before you jump in here, I, I need to ask this question too. I got to slip this in here, okay? Because we're on this path and kind of we, we we kind of got off a little bit the, in the mating error. Okay, uh, consider uh, royalty, the royal family, for example, or any uh, of the uh, elites. Uh, some believe they're from descended from the giants or, or that race. But they're of normal stature. Now, is this just a purely DNA thing? Is this a myth, or is this? I mean, what's that all about? That's um, a very pertinent question. Okay, pertinent to the Holocaust ahead, of Giants film because, because um, as I said, the Phoenicians seeded the uh, seeded the race of Rephaim all over the earth. But eventually, the Rephaim were bred out to the populations uh, into which they uh, intermingled. Um, the the in Sardinia. Let me say this about Sardinia. There's some very interesting things about the populace uh, living in Sardinia. First of all, the the people living in Sardinia, the traditional Sardinians, have one of the um, 
have on record some of the longest lifespans in general as a as a as a general as a general populace. Um, and uh, there are one of the contacts that we that we have in our primary contact in in uh, in Sardinia. He comes from a family from a from a family line who were known as the Giants. Their tribe was known as the Giants, uh, going back a few generations. And both he and his mother explained to me that um, in Sardinia there are certain family lines that if you go back a couple of generations, you're getting into statures that exceed nine feet tall. And we're not talking about bones in the earth. We're talking about people's great-grandfathers. Um, and the uh, uh, my friend, my main contact, Luigi in Sardinia, his father was over seven feet tall. And people say, well, okay, that's that's uh, LeBron James. Well, not really, but almost, right? That's some NBA. That's an NBA player. That's a that's a tall NBA player. Fine, you can reason that. But his grandfather, his great grandfather, stood over eight feet tall, and his father, his great great grandfather, stood over nine feet tall. And they they came from a tribe in Sardinia that was known as the Giants. And what was their Story. What was their narrative concerning their family? We come from the ancient giants of Sardinia that were buried in the tombs that are... And, and by the way, um, we posit in the film because of what we find in Sardinia that there were tens of thousands at one time of giants buried in the soils of Sardinia and to this day there possibly could still be tens of thousands of giants buried in the soils of Sardinia to this day. And so um, is there something very interesting going on? By the way, um, I won't go into detail because um, we don't we don't talk about this in the film, and this is sort of a private matter. But some of the individuals um, that I met with in Sardinia, who who have a connection to the lineage of the giants, um, have some very interesting, and I would say severe, <clears throat> severe, very concerning um, demonic activity recurrent in their lives. Uh, severe. We're talking uh, being thrown out of bed and and uh, sexually abused and all kinds of things that are happening, uh, particularly w- um, dealing with these these uh, these family lineages that are coming from what we believe are the Rephaim through via the Canaanites via the Phoenicians that uh, migrated to the island of Sardinia. By the way, it was the Phoenicians, it was the Canaanites who became the Phoenicians who were uh, sacrificing their bi- their babies to Molech to the bull-headed god Molech. And if you know anything about uh, the sacrifice of babies to Molech, that's what the that's what the Israelites were falling into again. The sorcery of the Canaanites. This is what the Israelites are constantly fighting against. Uh, this is what they're constantly falling into is the abominations of the Canaanites enticing God to anger and to and to and to send judgment upon Israel. It's because of the sorcery of the Canaanites. Um, the the practice of feeding their babies to Molech was is one of the most gruesome things you could possibly imagine. I mean, they this thing was a was a uh, this was a brazen uh, um, idol, a life size brazen idol that was heated up. It had fire in its belly, and they would literally uh, put live babies on on this, in, onto the searing metal of the of the uh, of the idol, and and then it would the baby would go down into the furnace of the belly of the idol, and and the, and the screams and so forth would come out as if the idol is speaking and I mean this came and I'm saying that so that you understand how gruesome this was that came from the Rephaim 
that came from the offspring of the Watchers, and that was perpetuated across the earth, including in the United States, including in the United States among the mound builders and and the races of Rephaim, the red-headed giants that were in the United States, um, that were in some cases practicing the sorcery of the Canaanites. Uh, the Anasazi Indians, and Tom's in the film talking about that, we're tracking down this, the story of the Anasazi in, Indians in the beginning of the film, that, that according to the Navajo, went down into their kivas and practiced black magic and opened up portals and gateways and unleashed giants on the earth. All of this is connected. It's all, it all goes back to the sorcery of the Canaanites, ultimately back to the watchers and their offspring from the pre-flood world. Thank you. Thank you. You know, guys, we're at the end of the program already. I can't believe how quickly this has gone. Valuable information in context. I want to say one thing to both Stephen and Tim and the audience. Look, um, the issue of cannibalism that did come up, Steve, you, you mentioned this, and this is so pertinent uh, very quickly. Uh, Marina Abramovic, uh, her spirit cooking, of course, talking about mixing bodily fluids, including uh, breast milk and, and other uh, body uh, fluids. Yeah, and also. other nasty combinations. Yes, and placentas as well as uh, blood and other things. Cannibalism is alive and well in this country. You visit the dark web, you can see it. And, and you're right, Steve, there are restaurants, believe it or not, that are locations that do, I shouldn't say restaurants, but places that do cater to cannibalism. Go, Joe. Yeah, and folks, for the for the to view the movie, truelegendstheseries.com, truelegendstheseries.com. Also, you can go to hagmanreport.com, and there is a an advertisement, a banner there, with a link right to the the video, which you can get, uh, you can stream online on on Vimeo, as well as order the DVD if you want to go that route. I want to thank Steve Quayle and Tim Alberino for the the fantastic uh, show. And uh, we look forward to talking with you next time. Thank you, Thank you guys, for having us on tonight. Hey, God bless you, brothers. Thank you. That'll God do it for it. us tonight. Until tomorrow, stay safe. God bless, and have a great evening. Good night.